All right, everyone. Welcome back to uh, Gundam at MHQ. Uh, this is episode 145, and joining me always... Ooh, this, could, this is actually a momentous occasion. Uh, but joining me always, first is Solbro, and like I said, the momentous occasion, because I do believe that this is Chris's last show and, until, you know, until his first, uh, self-imposed exile from everything Mecca... <laughs> Over the summer. Would I be right on that, Chris? Well, you would be wrong in the sense that it's uh, exiled from everything, Mecca, because I'm still doing MHQ. Mm-hmm. Oh, I was going to start some rumors. <laughs> Please don't do that, because I'll get a zillion. I was like, oh my god, MHQ's shutting down. How will I live without it? <laughs> I don't even consider that as like an April Fool's joke, because I know there's too many gullible fools out there who would uh, fall for it. And then you'd hear the collective cheer from 4chan. He's gone. The tyrant is gone. What have we done? (laughs) Ding dong. The tyrant is gone. Pretty much. Then I'll be like, we're going to look at mobile suits now other than shitty Gundam Wikia. (laughs) Oh, Gundam. 4chan hipster. How are you? (laughs) Okay, so... Yes, for your vacation. Before your vacation, not your exile. You'll still be updating Mecha Talk and MHQ as needed, but won't be participating on Gundam over the summer, correct? Well, I still will appear in oh, yeah. several segments. Segments, mm-hmm. yes. Like for major uh, reviews like Age of Extinction of All Childhoods. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Stuff yeah. like that. Yes, which is coming. They're about to go. Mass extinctions about Watch happen. all those childhoods go away. About a yes. month from now, actually. Man, mm-hmm. brace yourselves, guys. <laughs> yes, brace yourselves. Definitely. So, all right. Well, um, and once again, we have an action-packed episode. Two segments. Yes, a two-segment episode. Holy Christ. Oh, my. What are we doing? It's just craziness that we're going here. And the theme of this episode is definitely conclusions. 
because we're going to be concluding first our uh, Armor Trooper Votomes Roundup with the last set of OVAs from the 90s and 2000s, including Armor Trooper Votomes Pales and Files, the OVA, and I'm sure we'll touch upon the movie, uh, Phantom Arc, Alone Again, Case Irvine, and Finder. And uh, then we will go, wow, when did we start this? This started in what, maybe th- almost three years ago? We'll be concluding four years, four years ago. An episode that we never thought we'd be doing because originally when this came out, it was only supposed to be six, but then it became seven. Uh, the seventh and final episode of Mobile Suit Gundam Unicorn. Yes. Oh, my. Yes. Yes. That's ridiculous. Big, big happenings. Stop lying but, to uh, me, man. Stop lying to me. I th- we still got more episodes, right? <laughs> No, we do. We do. I'm just yeah, saying. Man, just, just announced uh, next OVA series, Hathaway's Flash. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just, you know. Followed I'm just by saying, Crossbone oh, and Sentinel. Who, oh, my God. I'm so giddy. <laughs> hashtag Hopers and Dreamers. <laughs> so, uh, no, just conclusions for some open items that we have as uh, hosts of Gundam, not just Mecha in general or Gundam as a show. So, <laughs> nobody. <laughs> Nobody think that that's the case. So, guys, anything before I go into the news? And there's lots of news here, a lot, lot of good stuff. So uh, definitely things we want to hear. Go so. for it. As I'm sauntering over to the Larry King Memorial News Studio. You are the king. You are the king. Some Neos listener submitted news. And you can always post your articles in the Neos listener submitted news articles thread in the Gundam section of the Mecha Talk forum. And our first set of just general news is coming out of here. First one off the chain here is Yokozuna Bulldozer. And it looks like, and I've heard about this myself, and I'm sure Chris will elaborate on it, uh, um, but it looks like the Gundam Builder, Gundam Build Fighters official website, one of the topic sections, it says Gunpla Battle Next Fighter Standby. And I've heard that there's rumors now of a possible second season. Is that right, Chris? I would not assume that. Could okay. just be some stupid manga or some video okay. game. So... Let's not uh, jump on the hype train of assuming something and then being disappointed when it turns out to not be the thing it never was. That's why I'm going to you to crush those hopes and dreams. Of all the <laughs> hey, you know, this is my last time on here for a while, so I got to crush whatever crush I can. Crush them as you can. Yeah, crush them crush crush on my way out the door. So put crush them as you got them. Yeah, exactly. Put upon on those steel toe boots and get to work. <laughs> That's pretty much. So thank you, Mr. Yokozuna Bulldozer, for that. And the next one here, ooh. Haven't had this in a while. A post from the most evil Australian of all time, Vent Noir. Yes. Uh, he's got a post here that says it's from the Anime News Network. It looks like, and this is kind of funny, looks like uh, the Shars counter attack, Beltor Chica's children, uh, as a novel, is now going to get a manga. It's been announced mm-hmm. that it's going to start in the August issue of Katakawa's monthly Gundam Ace magazine on June 26th. And uh, going from the Anime News Network here, it's uh, and talks about how Shars Counterattack Beltor Tika's Children is an alternate take on the events in the form of the core story of the 1988 film uh, Shars Counterattack. Uh, oh, wow, I didn't know that. I didn't know that the novel actually debuted a month before the film. So, um, yeah, so... Th- Everybody that always wanted to see that, it, I guess we'll be having that in some manga form. So, um, guys, 
Excited? Uh, if we get the chance to read it, yes. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm sure the old Methods Network will have, uh, you know, their, their little busy beavers getting that together for us. Well, I'm counting on somebody, uh, whether it be the Methods Network or official channels. I, I, I certainly hope we do get the to get the Official season. channels. <laughs> Official channels. About 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 a, about a one percent chance of that, but uh, <laughs> if anything, I, I I'm looking forward to whatever way I can get my hands on it. So, uh, uh, if anything, it's 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 pretty good news. All right. Oh, great. Official channels, huh? So, <laughs> thank you, Mister Vent Noir, for your submission, and uh, just want to uh, once again call out a double poster M one twenty one Akuma who did it uh, two posts after. Uh, Vent Noir. So uh, once again, guys, uh, review. Look at the dates and maybe review back a day or two. It's called Page Up, guys. Yeah, it. it, <laughs> it uh, I do know that Mister One Twenty One Akuma is be does get um, disciplined by one of the other posters. I appreciate that, but please let's not get into a situation where people are going after each other on this. But uh, I will just um, call them out and humiliate them on the show. So uh, there you go. So thank you for that, and thank you for your enthusiasm. Ooh, this next one here. Hmm. I don't know what to think about this, because all it makes me want to do is... Yes, this comes from Rodimus76 from the Geek Tyrant website, and it looks here, and we've heard about this before, Harrison Ford. We know who Harrison Ford is, right? Mm-hmm. What, what's he famous for? I don't um, know. Um, Mumbling? Pentaman. Pentaman. Looks like he's been invited by Alquan Entertainment to reprise his role as Rick Deckard in the long-awaited sequel to Blade Runner 2. Or to Blade Runner, which would be Blade Runner 2. Long-awaited would imply that anyone wants to see this movie. I don't know. Um, <laughs> it says here that uh, I guess this is coming from uh, Ford himself, and I'll, I'll, I'll actually translate this up so people can understand it because normally it would just be. <laughs> but it actually, it says, I'm quite curious and excited about seeing a new script for Blade Runner if, in fact, the opportunity would exist to do another. If it's a good script, then I would be very anxious to work with Ridley Scott again. He's a talented and passionate filmmaker, and I would think it'd be very interesting to revisit the character. I have a I <laughs> Prometheus. Yeah. <laughs> oh damn it. That, that that sounds like a that sounds like a a statement that was prepared by his uh, <laughs> publicist. <laughs> Here, Harrison, let's go over this with you. This is what you need to say. <laughs> and I guess at this point, he hasn't officially accepted the offer. Um, that the you know the the latest version of the script comes from Green Lantern co-writer Michael Green and Hampton Fancher. So. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, whenever you say Green Lantern writer, that <laughs> oh, and you're and you're referring to the movie, that's yes, not yes. like Jeff Johns from the comics. It's like, uh, no, thank you. <laughs> Do not want. So uh, yeah, so I guess you know I'm kind of ambivalent about it. I don't care if there's a Blade Runner two. Or not? <laughs> it sounds like Chris is not looking forward to this, and I'm sure Solbro would go see it regardless. So there you go. Mm-hmm. So thank you, Mister Rodimus76, for your submission. Oh, and Rodimus76 follows up with this, and this comes from Escapist Magazine. 
And I'm kind of glad that I hear this, even though I never had any worry about it. Uh-huh. But uh, it talks about how the U.S. military is confident that it could stop a real Godzilla attack. And I, I, and I actually think that that would, that would be the case, because I don't think Godzilla can, can handle the U.S. military. So, and uh, yes, yeah, so I guess they talked to a Sergeant Major James Denver, De- Deaver, and he had some insight about how the U.S. military would um, uh, handle a real Godzilla attack. He said, the, the military would be very successful. The manpower and equipment we have would definitely be successful in taking down Godzilla. He said that the U.S. would be quick to mobilize all of its military forces from Navy to Air Force, even ground, and they'd simply be able to overwhelm the monster with numbers. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, does the U.S. military have a Jaeger program I'm not aware of? That's what I want to know. Well, I'll be honest with you. I think, it, uh, put it to you this way, if Godzilla attacked, I think all the black projects would suddenly become unclassified. (laughs) You know, I think Godzilla attack or alien attack. Next thing you know, it's like, oh, I didn't realize we had this. I don't know. It sounds like someone's been watching too many uh, Lord Bay movies. (laughs) Who? He's he's saying that Sergeant Major's watching too many Sir Bay movies? Yeah. How how dare you, man? How dare you? Hey, I, I think... I think I think he may be onto something here. So I don't know. I don't. I don't, I don't see how. I, I hope to never find out. <laughs> yeah, I know. And, and this is one of these things that. Um, that I hope to find out from find. a distance. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm, Same I, here. I'm, and I'm sure there's an SOP on all this stuff too mm-hmm. uh, for it because they have them on everything. They have them on zombie attacks. Good lord. So. <laughs> Well, you have to be prepared for anything. It's yeah, stupid. but contagion, yeah. Uh, you know, they, they pretty much treat it like a contagion. So, yeah, uh, I would imagine they would have something have, on that. They, it's been released that they've had SOPs about... Um, um, alien invasions and all that Yeah, stuff. alien invasions and everything. So. Absolutely. And, of course, all the guys on Ancient Aliens say this indisputably shows that aliens exist. Because... <laughs> You know, the, the slightest little sliver of just anything that could possibly be a connection. That just says, hey, aliens exist. You, so. you know ancient aliens, guys, because that's, that's what he's all about. Aliens. Yeah, Mr. Aliens. Mr. Centauri wannabe. Londo's bastard child. <laughs> Londo's wannabe nephew. Oh, my God. So thank you, Mr. Rodimus76, for your submission. Ooh, this next one here comes from Wielder. And Solbro, I'm wondering if you've seen this because I could see this make doing uh, starting up the Solbro dance. All right. This could be doing the Solbro dance here. Oh, He's got know. a link to the Gundam guy, and mm-hmm. there's some new promo images and screenshots from Mobile Suit Gundam The Origin, Blue-Eyed Castle, the anime that's oh. coming out in spring 2015. Yes. Yo, look yes. at this. I'm seeing. Yeah, look at all that. I'm look at all that. Seeing, seeing the... Uh, am, I, am I hearing the music in the background? The day... <laughs> Dancing. I've seen the kids of Xeon, man. Look at these two, man. Look at the cat, man. What's the cat's name? Lucifer? Oh shit. Even Lucifer gets some action, man. Good stuff. Ready to ready to maul somebody, man, with all this cuteness. Or, or just ready to die from old age. Oh, possibly. Yeah. So but uh thank you, Mr. Wilder, for your submission. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Next one here <laughs> comes from this is funny. <laughs> This is very funny. <laughs> this one comes from Poster Lightning Count. This is kind of, he's doing an article here from the Anime News Network, and uh, the title is uh, "Director of Gundam C thinks anime has too many regulations." Well, I thought Gundam C had too many flashbacks, but who am I to know? Have an opinion <laughs> on stuff? Yes, 
Oh, good old flashback. Fukuda recently went on a bit of a rant uh, regarding the nature of television in Japan these days via his Twitter account. I think everybody's, I think uh, drunk texting's now been taken over by drunk uh, Twitter tweeting. Because it seems like when everybody goes crazy on stuff, it's all on Twitter now. So uh, I guess he started off an evaluation, um, how the morning news has run into a critique of what he thought is a devaluation, a devaluation of the Japanese people and interests, and um, he starts to go about some of the uh, the the late night animes and how they're being censored, and how he believes that if Gundam Seed was produced these days, it would have been censored, you know, a lot more than what it is. So I, I do agree to him on that to, to a point because I'm I'm watching some shows now and. Dude, the Blu-ray, we call them the, <laughs> the Blu-ray beards, cause, uh, every so often these, these black splotches just show up for sometimes the silliest damn reasons in shows that I'm watching. And it's like, really? They're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna block that from being seen? Case in point. What are, what are they blocking? Well, I'm watching JoJo's, example. I'm watching JoJo's Bizarre Adventure right now. And in a particular yeah. episode, um, JoJo is 17 and he smokes. And anytime he lights up a cigarette, fucking uh, this this black blotch comes out of nowhere on his face <laughs> to oh, hide the cigarette. To, to but hide the cigarette. in oh, okay. the same damn episode, not only did he beat to death a huge ass gorilla, but that gorilla was smoking uncensored. And it's like, are you shitting me right now? <laughs> are you shitting? But gorillas me? aren't gorillas aren't people. Apparently not, and they could smoke freely on anime television. Yeah. So it doesn't matter what time of a, a, a day that airs, they do that, and and some of the violence is covered up. And it's like, man, two years ago they wouldn't have covered this up. So I don't know. It's a it's for the children <laughs> at twelve thirty midnight. <laughs> Sometimes kids stay up, man. I guess uh, it's, I, it's it's summertime. Kids will be up. It's a bit ridiculous, but um. Yeah, I mean, anime used to not be so censored, and I do agree with them, at least at some point, that it is being heavily censored, and I wish they kind of would go back. Or if it's the show's going to be on a pay cable network, which if some of these shows repeat on those networks, they would air them unedited there. But I think they're doing it a lot, so that way when they sell the Blu-rays, they can give people in, um, in incentive to buy the Blu-rays of the shows so they can watch them uncut, so... It's. I think it's a terrible practice, and I wish it would go back to a letting more slide on television. But that's okay. just me. But it's for the children. <laughs> yeah, think of the children. Uh huh. <laughs> the children. Hey, Chris. I have a question for you. Do you believe that this is what's holding up the long-awaited Gundam Seed movie? This oh, sure. uh, this yeah. rampant <laughs> thing of censorship now. He wants to show people uh, popping like popcorns. He can't can't do it. Ooh. He's very sad. That is true. That is definitely true. So. Um, all right. Well, thank you, um, Mr. Poster Lightning Count. And the last little um, news that we have here is uh, it's kind of sad news. It comes from Wilder. And it is looks sad like Hulk music required. No, maybe like sad, like your like bad health death music, maybe. <laughs> the, the artist that does the. Uh, manga advances Zeta. I guess the is, uh, the manga has been canceled because of his health. Mm-hmm. Uh, it went on hiatus in November of 2013 due to the the author's health. And since the illness has become a long lasting one, they've decided to cancel the manga. So all those all those people uh, that have been reading advances Zeta, well, I guess you're going to be uh, kind of up a creek without a paddle on this one because it looks like it may not have an end so but that's always uh, kind of a kind of sad to hear that somebody's uh, 
you know, losing it because, um, you know, something like that's got to stop because someone died. So, but uh, thank you, Mr. Wielder, for your submission. And uh, it's time to queue it up, uh, Solbro. Why is Neo so robophobic? Oh, we have some robo apocalypse news. And the first one here comes from Vent. Oh, evil Australian, Vent Noir. And it says here, he's got a, says the debate, and this is on io9.com, the debate over killer robots is a guy thing. I guess a lot of engineers and robotics ep- ep- uh, experts have been gathering at the United Nations in Geneva to debate debate whether lethal drones should be banned from warfare and it looks like uh, everybody's saying it's uh everything's being uh the field and the discussion about killer robots is male dominated and it shouldn't be because this should be uh people dominated because we don't <laughs> want robots to kill us and rip our faces off but uh yes yeah, so looks like uh, the only people really worried about this at this point are uh, are men so i guess you could take that how you want it so thank you mr vent noir for your submission oh this just makes him even more of a monster next one here comes from philly gundam fan or gundam fan and this comes from the moscow times and it looks like evil russian dictator president guy with uh, that rides on horseback uh with his shirt off vladimir putin he's talking about organizing his own killer robotic army yes what of yes holy shit he's he's lobbying for the creation of a state-of-the-art military using robots that can um uh you know make their own decisions and and do what they need to do on the battlefield. Yes, makes him even worse, man, dude, than what dude, he already is. I joke about you that know, guy being a supervillain, but Jesus Christ! You, you know what I picture? What's uh, that? A, a vast field mm-hmm. outside of Moscow. Mm-hmm. Yes, and you see some hammer and sickle adorned Roombas. <laughs> oh, with cats upon them, wearing those uh, little Russian uh, Russian those hats. Little- the little, fur, the little furry hats. The little furry hats. Mm-hmm. Yeah, made of dogs. Nice. And, and and you have that music, that old like that old like communist music in the background. They're all like, oh, you know, <laughs> they're just talking about like death to capitalism, blah blah blah. Workers <laughs> <Yes>. unite. <laughs> the vast army stretches out across oh Eastern Europe, reclaiming all of the former republics. Is it me, or does Putin look like a an evil villain that would have a cat? <laughs> that he would sit there, and as he's you know as he's uh, invading the Ukraine and stuff, he's just sitting there petting slowly petting his cat because he no, looks he like have, he, he doesn't have a cat. He has a lion. Oh Jesus! Does he really? No, I'm sure no. Uh, oh, probably would. He probably he, would. He, he has a lion that just sits there next to him, and he pets the lion. Nice, nice. Oh my with, God. with the same hand that he wears the Super Bowl ring that he stole. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I can't believe he stole a Super Bowl ring. I, I mean. God, I, 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 I'm surprised. I'll, I'll be honest with you. Uh-huh. I'm surprised we didn't declare war then, because <laughs> he scooped it, put it on, and then yeah. said, "You know what? I'm, I'm gonna hang on to this." And especially, and- especially the New England Patriots. So it's like, <laughs> I, I, I'm surprised that like there wasn't just you know uh, uh, demonstrations in the on Pennsylvania Avenue saying we we've got to attack Russia to get the ring back because that hey, sounds like is, something. What is problem, bro? Bro, bro, bro. <laughs> this problem, bro. 
Why are you stealing the ring, Vladimir Putin? He fought so hard for the, for the win. You don't know anything about uh, football. And, and nor does he give a damn. Yeah. <laughs> That's a slap in our face, man. He said, F your feelings. Yeah. <laughs> Next thing you know, he's gonna go to the he's gonna go to the Pro Football Hall of Fame and spit on the picture of Vince Lombardi. Then it will be World War Three at nice. that point. Nice. That's how dumb we are here. We'll be like, yeah, he's he's overrunning other countries. No problem. Who cares? He's, he he is, disgraced Vince Lombardi. He is the MVP of evil world leaders. <laughs> <laughs> so yes. Ooh, oh my God! I you know that picture that you put in my head though, Chris, of just just. A vast field, like you know, just a vast field of just like wheat being trampled over by Roomba riding cats with dog hats on. God, that's a that's a nightmare right there. I know oh. that's some nightmare fuel, ain't it? Nice. Oh, jeez, and more robot apocalypses. And thank you, Mister Philly Gundam fan, for your submission. And you come back, and this makes me kind of rethink buying stuff from Amazon because I feel like I'm slowly uh, funding the the robo apocalypse. Oh, because it looks like Amazon is going to be using 10,000 robots in its warehouses by the end of the year. Yes, they only have 1,000 workers right now, but they're looking to they bought a uh, they bought a company called Kiva Systems and uh, they bought them about 2 years ago and they're going on the fast track for uh, these these robots and I don't know if you guys have ever seen these, but they look like kind of big beefy Roombas and they pick up things and they pick up like racks and stuff and they move them and all that. So, yes, this is uh, yeah, this I don't know. Maybe I need to cancel my prime membership because I feel like I'm slowly funding the robot rebellion right here. So I just I'm not, I'm, I'm going to have to go to the Human Resistance League to, to see if uh, if uh, if I need to do this and if I if I face any charges for uh, crimes against humanity, so uh, <clears throat> I may not be in the next episode. So you never know. <laughs> but uh, thank you, Mister Philly Gundam fan, for your submission. And the last one here, and this is actually something that really does kind of scare me, mm-hmm. even though all this stuff scares me. But uh, this is from Vent Noir, and it's he has an article here ca- talking about should robot car. What should robot cars ethical rules be? So we know about the he meant they mentioned here in the article Asimov's three laws of robotics, and of course we'd have those even though those never work in any of these movies. But I do wonder if we're going to make robot cars though and self-driving cars, we do need to put something on here because when I read one. One of the tomes, Robo Apocalypse, the novel, uh, that, that is how uh, the robots start taking over. Their cars start running over people. Ooh. And uh, yeah, so I do wonder about this. Not only what that. About, uh, the good old uh, Johnny Cab. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is, I mean, as cool as it sounds that you can be uh, in your car, you could get completely loaded one night and have your robot car drive you home. The fact is, it could drop you off and then run you over as you're trying Driving to walk. Driving you to your death. Pretty much. <laughs> Not only that, but now with all uh, cars being connected to the internet, I'm just waiting for these cars to get hacked into mm-hmm. and uh, you know caused to go out of control. So yes, uh, even though once again this proves my point of even though we do do we have the ability to do this stuff, we should think it over a lot more and and maybe we don't always necessarily have to do it just because um, a corporation or a person can make quick buck off of it but hey what do i know but um (laughs) thank you for all your submissions of uh robot apocalypse news and then of course we always got to end it the best way possible michael bay michael bay oh my god that's bullshit what the 
and that's with the surveys, news, alerts. Oh, and yes, yes these uh, – we only got three, but these are three great ones because, man, I can already feel it coming. There's going to be mass extinction in about a month from now. The first thing <laughs> comes from E8Net, dude, and he's got a link for the full – Full trailer, full length trailer of Transformers: Age of Extinction of All Childhoods, mm-hmm. uh, Surveys Classic, which comes out uh, this July. So definitely check that out. I'm sure most of your childhood will be destroyed. It will, will be extinct after watching that trailer, and then it'll be fully extinct when you go to the movie uh, release night because that's what you guys do. So there you go. Uh, more survey stuff, and Ian dude comes up with another follow up because what what you know when you walk out of the movie theater and you 're going, "Man, my childhood is gone. How do I get it back? Well, the best way you can get it back is you get the official nine foot tall Optimus and bumblebee statues that are going to be on sale in late June what? and Yes, a kid call, a company called Kids Logic, which is kind of a weird name, but uh, <laughs> they're, they're going to sell Age of Extinction of All Childhood statues for $13,000 apiece. That's almost like buying a car, and they're officially licensed from Hasbro. And you know they have light-up eyes, LED light-up eyes, de- detail sculpture, weathering painting effect, Transformers uh, logos painted on the base. And um, I've actually got a little picture uh, – uh, no, they don't have a picture of them yet, so, but um, it just sounds awesome. So once your childhood is extinct and you're wondering how you're going to get it back, buy these $13,000 nine-foot-tall bumblebee statues to remind you of Surbay's classic. I mean, what a, what a better way. I, I can't think of what the, the best – what more could you get for the Transformers fan on your list? <laughs> and you, know, you could possibly put them on layaway because that would be in, a, in June, so you got six months to pay it off before Christmas. I mean, my God. That's uh, that's great. So, but um, thank you, Mr. EA Net dude, for your submission. Now I'm going to finish up with the last survey news alert, and it's kind of appropriate. It comes from Rodimus76, a a prolific poster of the survey, mm-hmm. and uh, he's got a he's got a link here from the Geek Tyrant, and I'm sure this has got Solbro all chaffed. There's some oh. the promo art for the Teenage Mutant Ninja Alien uh, Giant Turtles movie. Oh boy. It's, yes, it's been released, and man, and of course, this is a a survey classic, not directed by survey, but produced by survey. So, of course, it's always going to be a classic when survey is involved in some way, shape, or form. So, yes, you get to see them. Wow, look at those, soul bro, man! Can't you, it makes you just can't wait that that release night to get there, does it? Oh my gosh, I'm because so, you know you'll be there. I'm so I'll be there. I will be. I will be. I will be seeing. I'll be seeing yeah. the matinee. Probably on a Sunday. You'll see. And, you'll you'll, you'll and, see it. Oh, I, I will see it release yeah. weekend. No, I'm not. I'm yeah. not. Going, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. I'll see it release weekend. That's that's that, that's a given. But I hope that the movie is so damn good that the trailers are straight up lying to me. Because right now, <laughs> I'm going in with expectations low to it the floor. It doesn't matter. Low it doesn't matter. Floor. It's cool. Because it's cool. It's gonna make money. It's gonna make money. And because you have to remember uh-huh. the one thing that just shows it's the excellence is when you get that. You won't get it like you normally do, where it mm-hmm. says directed by. You only get produced by, but it'll say Sir Michael Bay, <laughs> and that's when you know it's the it's the mark of a classic. Oh. And um, you know, hey, there you go. The hallmark. Sir of Bay, champions. Sir Bay will thank you uh, for your contribution by buying a new. Uh, a new mansion in the south of France and stocking it with Victoria's Secret models for uh, <laughs> for Christmas for himself. So, hey, what are you going to do? 
So I'm glad to see my money's being put to good use. <laughs> You know it is. So uh, thank you, Mr. Rodimus76, for your submission. And thank you, all posters, for all your submissions. I know there were some that I didn't get to, mm-hmm. but, man, there was a lot of news. And I'm only going to try to get to the uh, stuff that's the most applicable and uh, relevant. And, um, you know, so sorry if anybody got left out, but that's how it goes. Once again, it's Hunger Rules Games for the news now. Um, <laughs> and uh, now... It's going to be a kind of a bittersweet moment because oh. this will be the last old-timey news drama hour before uh, before the the summer hiatus of Chris. So, Chris, uh, it's up to you now, man. All right, and <clears throat> our first one is a double submission from FlameX. I would like to direct this to the distinguished members of the panel. You lousy cork suckers. You have violated my fogging rights. This sum of a batching country was founded so that the liberties of common patriotic citizens like me could not be taken away by a bunch of fogging ice holes. Yourselves. Thank you. Oh my god, I love Johnny Dangerously. Oh my gosh, thank you so much, Playmax. That's fantastic. He cites uh, his sources for that. Oh, yes. And the second one comes from... Actually, there's two here. Two more, both from Borderlands 2. Mm-hmm. Hi, I'm human. I eat food and desire things. I'm in credit card debt and have a wife for whom I feel nothing. When I am human, I will never, ever think about the black void of nothingness that awaits me when I die. Because I could take up a lot of my time. Once I am human, I will talk to you about things that are of little of no importance. I will avoid religion and politics because if we disagree, you will not like me anymore. I can't wait to become human. I'll take showers and tip waiters and get bruises and fold bed sheets and disappoint my loved ones and eat tacos. <laughs> if you are less fortunate than me, I will pity you. If you are more fortunate, I will secretly loathe you. Humanity. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. I, I I need to play more Borderlands too. And his last one is Welcome to the Circle of Slaughter. Moxie has reprogrammed me for tenement hosting and sexual innuendos. <laughs> you could almost say she increased my hard drive. Flirtatious eyebrow rays. <laughs> <laughs> Next funny. up we have another dual submission from Fear Junkie. Oh, these are both Joker themes, so uh, hmm. this will be challenging. All right. The spirit of Mark Hamill is hovering over me, oh, oh. looking down with a creepy smile. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, hobos and tramps, cross-eyed mosquitoes and bow-legged ants, I come before you to stand behind you to tell you a story I know nothing about. One bright morning in the middle of the night, two dead fellows stood up to fight. They stood back to back, facing each other, drew their swords and shot one another. If you don't believe my lie, it's true. Ask the blind lady on the corner. She saw it too. <laughs> and the next one. Ladies and gentlemen, you read about it in the papers. Now witness before your very eyes that most rare and tragic of nature's mistakes. I give you the average man. Physically unremarkable. It instead possesses a deformed set of values. Notice the hideously bloated sense of humanity's importance. Also, note the club-footed social conscience and the withered optimism. <laughs> it's certainly not for the squeamish, is it? 
And most repulsive of all are its frail and useless notions of order and sanity. If too much weight is placed upon them, they snap. How does it live, I hear you ask? How does this poor, pathetic specimen survive in today's harsh and irrational environment? I'm afraid the sad answer is, not very well. Faced with the inescapable fact that human existence is mad, random, and pointless, one in eight of them crack up and go stock slavering buggo. <laughs> Who can blame them? In a world as psychotic as this, any other response would be crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder where these excerpts are from. Man. Batman. Uh, well, 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 yes. <laughs> The, the second one sounds more familiar, but I can't quite place it. Mm-hmm. Next up, we have our pal, the foul sorceress. There is unrest in the forest. There is trouble with the trees. For the maples want more sunlight, and the oaks ignore their pleas. The trouble with the maples, and they're quite convinced they're right. They say the oaks are just too lofty, and they grab up all the light. But the oaks can't help their feelings if they like the way they're made, and they wonder why the maples... Can't be happy in their shade. <laughs> nice. Nicely, uh, nicely rendered. And next is Rodimus 76. Snacky S'mores presents The March of War. Let's hear it for our boys in blue. President Clinton has called them to action <laughs> to fight the evil Canadian scourge. Oh. A full-scale attack has been launched on Toronto after the Canadians' last bombing, which took a horrible toll on the Arquette family. <laughs> For security measures, our great American government is rounding up all citizens that have any Canadian blood and putting them into camps. Jesus. All Canadian American citizens are to report to one of these death camps right away. <laughs> Did I say death camps? I meant happy camps, where you will eat the finest meals, have access to fabulous doctors, and be able to exercise regularly. <laughs> Meanwhile, the war criminals, Terence and Philip, are prepped for their execution. Their execution will take place during a fabulous USO show with special guest celebrities, including Big Gay Al and Winona Ryder. (laughs) Of course, there is only one way to see the USO show, is to sign up for the army. So join the army and kill some Canadian scum as we continue the march of war. (laughs) That is a classic there. Indeed. So next we have some musical direction for Soul Bro from Mechton GM, which is the Common Rider W op. Oh, nice. All or right. actually, I should say Common Rider Double V or Double or whatever the hell that show's name was pronounced as. All right. The villains who make the city cry will forever hear these words from us. Now, count up your sins. That was quick. Oh, shit. Yes. Damn. <laughs> I was expecting more. Okay. Yokos and Bulldozer also has a musical request with a linked YouTube video. <laughs> well, these, these people want to make me work. I swear to God. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Go for it. Cybertron Gossip, former Rodimus Prime Hot Rod, has been spotted recently fighting with Femme Fatale RC. Witnesses say that the two were in a heated conversation for a decent ten minutes that seemed like ten solar cycles. An acquaintance of the lovey-dovey couple says that RC is pissed because Hot Rod will not settle down and she feels he's trying to avoid the million Earth dollar question. 
Open, damn it, open. Stupid canned <laughs> Turbo Fox meat. Another anonymous friend of the couple says that it's just love and that it's no different from the time he fought those lousy Shaktacons way back when. Oh, yeah. The fate of this couple is still unknown, yet friends and families wish Hot Rod would be honest and just tell R.C. he lost the engagement ring while fighting Septicon leader Galvatron at the bar in a drunken rage over who spilled whose Anagon lager first. <laughs> from Cybertron News Network, this is Soundwave signing off. Soundwave <laughs> Superior. <laughs> <laughs> nice. That's <laughs> if only there was news like that. Yes. And oh, this is great. This one's from Zero the Mass Knight, who has C3PO soliloquy from William Shakespeare's Star Wars. Now, if you have not heard us ranting about this on Chaos Theater, you have to check this out because this is episode four, A New Hope, written as a Shakespearean play oh. in iambic pentameter. Oh wow. oh, wow. With old-timey illustrations. And I mean, way old-timey. Yo, that's awesome. I need to check that out. <laughs> and uh, you get to see things like um, R2's soliloquies. <laughs> where he decides to play the fool with bleeps and bloops. And you'll hear wonderful Shakespearean renditions of things like the classic scene in the Mos Eisley Cantina. What? <laughs> Are you serious? Or one of my favorite renditions, um, Han Solo in the Death Star cell block <laughs> on the radio. What the heck? That's fantastic. All art well here. All art well. How are thee? <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> so this is directed to... Please melt Neo's heart. Oh my. We shall see. Oh my. No heart within this golden breast doth beat, for only wires and circuit boards are here. Mm-hmm. Yet as I hear my master's dying screams, no heart is necessary for my grief. A droid have sadness, and hopes, and fears, and each of these emotions have I felt since Master Luke appeared and made me his. No master have I ever respected so. Thus at this moment, grave, I do declare, there is no etiquette for shedding tears. No protocol can ever express my woe. Okay. Wow. I'm, I'm guessing this is uh, from the uh, the trash compactor scene. Yes. <laughs> when he assumes that they're dying. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds about right. Yes. And he's got a second submission here that's uh, on the completely opposite end of the scale. Oh. Sugar, spice, and everything nice. These were the ingredients Aww. chosen to create the perfect little girls. <laughs> But well, Professor yeah. Utonium accidentally added an extra ingredient to the concoction, Chemical X. <laughs> Thus, the Powerpuff Girls were born. Using their ultra superpowers, Blossom, Bubbles, and Buttercup have dedicated their lives to fighting crime and the forces of evil. And once again, the day is saved, thanks to the Powerpuff Girls. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's quite the run back. Man. Yes. It's good stuff right there, too. And uh, up next, we have Dayman, fighter of the Nightman. Hell yes. <laughs> with yet another Xeonic submission, which makes me wonder if there's a lot of, like, Xeon... Xeon sympathizers, man. Look at these guys. There's all loving up their space fascists. 
My father, Zeon Daikun, had made a request to Earth for autonomy for all space immigrants known as Spacenoids, but he was assassinated by the Zabi family. The Zabis call themselves the Principality of Zeon and launched a war of independence against the Earth. You know how it was to end, with the Zabis losing the war. Fine and well, but the Earth Federation forces had grown corrupt from within, giving birth to rogue movements like the Titans and resulting in the brazen activities of Haman, who had falsely claimed to be a protector of the Zabi family. This history has made us all refugees. I have come to believe that we must do everything to prevent war from happening again. This is the true purpose behind our operation to drop Axis onto Earth. As such, we will discipline those who continue to live on Earth and will eliminate the source of any wars in the Earth's sphere, everyone, so that we may forge our own path and establish a government for the refugees. I ask you to lend me your great strength for just a little longer. When we've succeeded, I will then be able to join my father, Zeon. Well said. Well said. God, Zeon sympathizes, boy. They're coming out of the woodwork, man. Damn. No. <laughs> and up next is a pair of submissions from the Beast AR. Number one. You will give the people of Earth an ideal to strive towards. They will race behind you. They will stumble. They will fall. But in time, they will join you in the sun. In time, they will help you accomplish wonders. <laughs> oh my god. Um, I know that's from Neo's favorite superhero movie. Yeah, that's right. Oh yeah, that's from, from uh, Man O' Steel. <laughs> Is that the, uh, <laughs> the, I- the Irish me right? Man O' Steel. Steel. <laughs> the, Irish, the Irish edit. <laughs> Is this like the Elseworlds of, of where uh, Kal-El's little rocket crashes in Ireland? I actually probably would rather he see becomes, that. He uh, becomes <laughs> Liam O'Shaughnessy. Nice. <laughs> reporter at the Dublin Times. <laughs> that sounds, that sounds uh, pretty good. I, mean, I, would mind see, I wouldn't mind seeing that remix myself. I fight for truth, shepherd's pie, and the Guinness Way. <laughs> the Guinness Way. <laughs> shepherd's his, pie. His, his, his uniform would be green <laughs> instead of blue. <laughs> Anyway, mm-hmm. and his second one is the fragment of memory lost in the gap between life and death. Is it something which will point the way to spiritual awareness? The silver metallic gun cracked open and my right arm metamorphosed. My past, my people, my mother. The moment I was reunited with everything I had ever protected. The light took Augusta. The humanoid typhoon, the $60 billion man, bashed the stampede. This is the beginning of my past. This is the end of my journey. Oh, man. Listen to that monologue, man. Fashion Stampede. Man, it's been a while since I've uh, watched Trigun, man. Holy shit. <laughs> and the final submissions oh. for now mm-hmm. come courteous, courtesy of Proteus. Nice. And they are both from Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Sweet. Oh, the first one. And the Lord spake, saying, First shalt thou take out the holy pin, then shalt thou count to three, no more, no less. Three shall be the number thou shalt count, and the number of the counting shall be three. Four shalt thou not count, neither count thou two, excepting that thou then proceed to three. Five is right out. Once the number three, being the third number, be reached, 
Then lobbest thou the holy hand grenade of Antioch towards thy foe, who, being naughty in my sight, shall snuff it. <laughs> I love that damn movie. God damn. That's so ridiculous. Don't and the last the one. The very last one. The Lady of the Lake. Her arm clad in the purest shimmering Semite held the loft Excalibur from the bosom of the water, signifying by divine providence that I, Arthur, was to carry Excalibur. That is why I am your king. <laughs> so this is when I would normally tell you to make more submissions, but obviously you're not going to because the threat is locked, so mm -hmm. it will eventually return at some point, and we will uh, be getting old-timey in the future. Oh wow, you, you, you even, uh, gosh, can you imagine once you open up that new thread, it's, you're going to have a couple, people are going to have a couple months to scour everything to find something. <laughs> it's going to be a deluge of all of, uh, of requests. Hopefully no more Xeon. <laughs> yeah, we can, we can probably do without a little bit we've of done, Xeon. We've done, we've done all of the, um, the Giren. Now we've done some Char. So I guess we'll have to move on to like Delaz and Full Frontal and... Oh All these other losers. They might jump the rails and go right to Trace, man. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. You never know. All right. Well, uh, thank you for that, Chris. And, uh, guys, anything before uh, we go into our reviews? No, I'm ready to rock, man. We got, a lot of, right. we got a lot of ground to cover. All right. Well, you're listening to Gundam at MEHQ. shot you in the ass who that who would be you me i shot you yeah i mean I'm, i was i was shooting that was i did a lot of shooting i mean but i i, I ain't saying i shot you in the ass i mean I, I ain't saying i didn't shoot you but gun damn somebody shot you in the ass tell me about it in a world where vivid flashbacks can strike without warning In a world where a submissive adolescent must pilot a giant humanoid robot to save humanity. In the same world where a two-legged quadruped can run leisurely at the speed of sound with the aid of jewelry. Only one podcast can discuss this with their sanity intact. And this is Not That Podcast www.ssapodcast.com The Ass Backwards Enemy Podcast Oh wait, I was supposed to use that voice in the beginning. Uh, let's go again. The Anime Addicts Anonymous Podcast presents Just Another Day in the Church of Mitsugi. Dearest child, <laughs> confide, in me, child. confide in me your sins. I don't know, is this a sin? I was just gonna say boobs don't accidentally fall out, but I have had my boob accidentally fall out of my bra before. Not out of my shirt, but out of my bra, so I mean, I guess it kinda does happen. I mean, boobs are jiggly. Oh, woeist, moe-influenced child. Ye, my boobs are moe Ye hath contributed to the moe movement. <laughs> Let these sins be known, and may God have mercy on your soul. For more Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast, visit www.aaapodcast.com or iTunes. I know you. And I know when you got something brewing. I know it. What I got brewing? 
You what I got brewing right? You tell me. You done lost your dumb damn mind. Gundam at MAHQ, and we are here to deliver a review that has been more than four years in Ooh, the making. Jesus. And that is the final involvement, <laughs> final installment, that is, of the hit OVA Game of Bananas. <laughs> <laughs> Written by George R.R. Tomino. <laughs> Attack of the Chiquitas. <laughs> yes. I, I, I just did a, a quick computation. It's the, this with only seven episodes over four years. It was one point one point one and three quarters episode a year average. What? <laughs> well, no. For the first four episodes, they managed to do two a year. No, I know, but I'm saying if you average it out over the time. Oh, the time of, reviewed. The, yeah. the time the, the time from episode one to episode seven, and then you know. The number of episodes. Yeah, no, I know that they were doing it too, but it comes out to one and three quarters episodes a year for four years. <laughs> Sorry. I just had to compute that out. So, this is episode seven of Gundam Unicorn Over the Rainbow, which picks up right where episode six <clears throat> left off. We've got Banajer launching in the full armor unicorn, which again is not a full armor. Because mm-hmm. there is there is no armor. There is just shields and gatlings and uh, bazookas and rocket boosters. Exactly. It's not, it's no armor. Not a full armor. Mm-hmm. I know I have to keep repeating this over and over again, but it's, it just bugs me always <laughs> up since they unveiled it in the novel. It's not a full armor, guys. Learn what the meaning is. Semantics. Wait, <laughs> come on. So he's in a fight against Riddy and the Banshee Norn, who, of course has gone batshit crazy, which is to be expected whenever you pilot a black mobile suit mm-hmm. that's, you know, a crazy machine mm-hmm. in Universal Century. Yeah. Makes you uh, full-on Jack Nicholson. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. So you got this whole fleet battle going on between the Nail Argamas forces, the Neo Zeon forces, as well as the Neo Zeon people from Zinnerman's group who are helping the Nail Argamas. So it's kind of crazy. And at the same time, you have uh, the dashing journalist in white, uh, Kai Shiden, gives yes. some information that uh, a thorn and bright side from the previous decade, Grips 2, is alive and kicking. Goodness. <laughs> and has been secretly repaired by the Federation. And they just want to get rid of the box and don't care about preserving the secret, so they're going to blast Magalanica, the colony builder, which is where the box is located, using old grips too. Mm -hmm. So at that point, Bright orders the Rock Hylum to immediately go down to uh, Earth because the grips 2 laser is being controlled from the Cheyenne base in North America. 
And in the meantime, we have some usual uh, Gundam combat philosophizing between Benajer and Riddy, with Riddy just frothing at the mouth mad, going crazy, vomiting. <laughs> Zero-G vomiting. All over the cockpit. <laughs> yeah. Just going completely nuts, irrationally crazy, doing basically the whole Jared mess if it wasn't for you, blah, blah, blah. And then he starts getting overwhelmed with uh, new type visions, and he's saying, oh, all new types should die. And uh, that's when Benajer says, but you're a new type too, Mr. Riddy. <laughs> and he hears Mineva's voice and everybody's voices. And just when it seems like maybe he might, you know, snap Bye. out of it and stop being crazy, uh, his rifle floats by and uh, hits his arm, which makes him go even crazier because he gets overwhelmed with all the crazy new type voices. And um, he grabs said rifle and uh, just blasts away Marita, who is just standing there waiting to die. Damn, pretty much. And then she does the whole uh, naked new type ghost thing, which makes him feel sad and everybody is sad. Mm -hmm. And then he uh, becomes not crazy. How convenient. (laughs) Yes, because she's the only person dying out there that's of any that's worth Sports. anything, right? Yeah, yeah everybody else who dies is not important. <laughs> uh. So everyone is uh, sad for her, including even uh, Alberto, despite the fact that he was using her too. So I guess he did feel bad about that. Yeah, well, change of heart. Yeah. So once that happens, we then see. Uh, the entrance of Full Frontal, who is using the enormously punny Neo Zeong. <laughs> Get it, guys? Yep. It's the new version of the Zeong. Yeah. Neo Zeong. Oh my so gosh. Neo Zeong. Wild stuff. How, what and do you paint it red? What do you come up with this craziness? <laughs> and give it. And, and this one's at least more complete. It's got rocket legs. It has rocket legs, and it's basically, I call it uh, the actual Zeon Dendrobium because it uses Sinanju at its core. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you got to wonder, where the hell does Neo Zeon get the money to make any mobile suits? Because this is the third incarnation of Neo Zeon, which just keeps losing every successive time more resources and more forces. And even the first Neo Zeon were the leftovers of the Principality of Zeon. So it's like, how do these losers keep getting more awesome tech each successive time when their resources and their manpower keeps getting lower and lower? <laughs> I have no clue. And we don't, even have, we don't even have the story plot that Anaheim's secretly funding them or anything. In this. They, should have, they should be using, like, duct-taped Zaku-2s at this point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, like those, like those, uh, like those guys in... Uh, Stardust memories that were left in the desert, you know? <laughs> yeah. But anyway. Whatever. Yeah. Once again, details. What are you, what are you talking about, Chris? Yeah. Anyway, Full Frontal shows up in his Neo Zeong and starts blasting stuff. So Benajer and now his, uh, his new best bud, Riddy, team up to try to fight him. And he starts using the new type waves of whatever to uh, destroy all of their weapons, leaving them only with their fists, which, <laughs> as we know, is how men really communicate. Of course. Yeah, of course. With their fists. Build so Benajer uses some psycho frame karate chops to start chopping up 
the Neo Zeong's arms, which stealing a page from the Big O has like a zillion arms. Yeah. Oh my God, does it ever? So Full Frontal ends up grabbing Banager with a couple of arms and initiates more new type mumbo jumbo, taking him on a vision of time yeah. where we see the new Gundam push an axis mm-hmm. this time in new animation for all people who were bothered by that before <laughs> yeah. we see uh, a bow a coup. We see the battle of Solomon. We see uh, old Degwin getting blasted. We see Slegger slaying. Uh-huh. <laughs> yep. We see uh, the Elmeth and all that stuff. We actually see the opening uh, of mob- all of all those mobile suit Gundam uh, episodes. The you know this is uh, where people live and die. <laughs> that they reanimated that old thing too. That too. That, be- that beginning part there. The so, Sydney, uh, Sydney getting destroyed. The whole opening sequence. That's, that's pretty cool yeah. to see uh, rendered in HD like that. Yeah. Yeah. And then they end up in this vision at the end of time where there is nothingness. Where Full Frontal argues that no matter what they do, because the universe will eventually end all actions amount to nothing. <laughs> so nobody should do anything ever or talk to anyone ever yeah, well, about anything. Just keep the universe static. <laughs> yes. So at this point, Full Frontal loses his will. And because of all of the psycho frame, new type craziness, the Neo Zeong and the Sinanju start to just disintegrate and crumble away. But Banajar still has hope for the future. So the unicorn doesn't. And it's at this point that... Full Frontal is visited by a couple of ghosts, one being a, uh, a certain Indian lass and the other being a uh, dapper dude dressed in red who tell him basically like, chill out, dude. <laughs> it sounds kind of like him. Yeah, it sounds exactly like him. <laughs> and hey, you're that although, guy. Although you don't see the third ghost, he sounds like, uh, like a certain dude who um, has a fro. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And a jean jacket, man. Yeah, <laughs> that guy. That guy. I wonder who he is. Cosmo. Cosmo, Cosmo from Adam. Now you're talking. Now you're talking, bro. Cosmo yeah. Yuki, man. That's who it was. <laughs> yeah. So, well, actually, you know, I, I skipped the important part because I wanted to get to that. But the important part, since this is all lopsided, is uh, yeah, we find out what the box is because uh, Benajer and Mineva go to Megalanica, and they encounter Siam Vis. It's like, oh, hey, by the way, this guy's your great-grandfather. <laughs> He's just been chilling here for all these decades. So the box. What is the box, gentlemen? What's in the box? What's in the box? Uh, possibly disappointment. <laughs> um, a very underwhelming plot device. Oh, damn. Okay, so the box is the original charter for the Universal Century that was signed by Riddy's ancestor at the Laplace Colony, which had 15 articles. And the 15th article stated that should a space-adapted human race appear in the future, the Earth Federation will give them priority in administration of the government. Which makes no sense. It doesn't. Wow. It makes absolutely no sense. So, okay. Siam, as we recall, was one of the terrorists who blew up Laplace. Mm-hmm. And when he was meant to be killed, he somehow survived and just happened by dumb luck to float across the monument that had the original charter. Because afterwards, 
the Federation put out the charter minus that last article. Of course. And has been keeping that secret the entire time. Hence, Siam Vist created the Vist Foundation and for the last century was blackmailing the Federation to uh, build power and wealth so that they would not release this information, which would undermine the Federation's legitimacy. Mm-hmm. And after the one-year war, it was kept any ammunition to the argument of Xeon. So anyway, that's when Full Frontal shows up, and we jump to that whole fight between Full Frontal and Riddy and Benajer. Mm-hmm. And afterwards, once Full Frontal is out of the picture, we get some colony shooting fun because Ronan Marcinus and <clears throat> Martha Vist Carbine have uh, decided that... Uh, we're going to start up a new box, which is um, killing all these innocent people in the name of preserving another secret. So that will allow us to continue collaborating and being blackmailed, which makes no freaking sense whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. Thankfully, though, the Rock Hylum conveniently shows up to stop them. And the Black Tri-Stars launch to take down some cameo mobile suits, the Gustav Carl from Hathaway's Flash, and the old Zeta Plush from Sentinel. Mm-hmm. This is pretty awesome to see. Yes. So, unfortunately, the countdown has started, and as we always know, these things can never be stopped once they're started, because whatever reason. <laughs> Forget and- a failsafe. <laughs> yeah. At which point... In a fit of frustration, Alberto reveals that Riddy is inside the Banshee, which suddenly makes his dad feel oh so horrible about condemning lots of innocent people to die because of Grips 2. Wow. <laughs> he didn't feel an ounce of, an ounce of any kind feel of... An- ounce of guilt None. over killing maybe thousands of nameless people, but suddenly now that his son is in the firing line, he feels all the guilt in the world, oh so boy. screw you, sir. <laughs> and actually, a son that in earlier episodes, he kind of dressed down a few times, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. so, okay. I'm with it. <laughs> so anyway, Benajer and Riddy use their uh, psycho fields to create these huge barriers in front of Industrial 7, and the barriers absorb the beam and diffuse the blast so that by the time the beam has gone through all three barriers, it has become much more narrow in focus and avoids hitting Industrial 7. Yay. In the nick of time. Yes. And at this point, things are getting weird because all the psychrofame stuff on the unicorn starts like turning into like these weird crystals. Mm-hmm. And Benajer sees uber weird shit. (laughs) And the unicorn starts speeding away until Riddy gives chase and convinces Benajer to come back to reality and come back to them and blah, 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 blah. And as we come to the end, we see that uh, in a fit of anger, uh, Martha and uh, the chairman are having the General Revel dispatched to try to clean things up and still try to cover up what they can. So Riddy and Benaj and everyone head off to intercept General Revel fleet and fight them. The end. Yay. <laughs> so, Neo, I'm sure you got some specific thoughts you want to get out so i will kick it to you first well we're gonna do episode seven thoughts and after that we're gonna do overall thoughts so let's just stick it to episode seven for now Mm -hmm. okay episode seven uh some of the things i liked um it's nice 
and I kind of saw this throughout the show, but you know, you see it at the beginning, especially where a lot of the Federation grunts, they actually, they're not one hit kills. You do see a lot of these guys and you see a little bit, seems like a little bit more realistic if we could say that mobile suit combat where it's just not a one hit kill for some of these guys. Mm-hmm. Um, the fight sequence as a fight as a whole was good. Um, some of the other stuff, whatever. Yeah, the big reveal. Really, you're just kind of sitting there going, wow, all of this time and effort and energy is being being used to basically cover up an, an additional article because the official one has only got 14 articles while the, the original one has 15. And I'm thinking to myself throughout the whole thing, didn't they have a copy of this? Yeah. I mean, they even made a copy of the Constitution when they wrote it, and that was handwritten. So I'm just kind of sitting there going, okay, you know, even hey, if... This is, just, this is just the Universal Century. It's not like you can have multiple copies or draft copies or anything. It's like, oh, here are okay. these 15, uh, 10 commandments. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I... I <laughs> I mean, it's and it's just, you know, and the fact that the Federation would would allow this guy to do this is just really weird. It's like they don't have the resources to bring in their own like strike team to just take this guy out and take the original uh, the original charter. And then the the charter itself, it just made no sense. Like we're going to give if a space adapted human race evolve, it becomes known we're going to give them priority to administer the government? What does that even mean? Like, you're just sitting there going... wishy-washy nonsense. Yeah, it it just didn't make much sense. And then, yeah, it's just... I mean, the battle between Full Frontal and them was kind of underwhelming. It's like, oh, yay, the Shark clone is now in a a Geong, you know, a, a new Geong to fight. Wow, where do we see this before? And it's like... You know, like you stated, where does Nia Zeon get all this resources to build something like that? And it would have been much more exciting to see him, you know, them just fighting up, you know, Unicorn versus Sananju. Maybe the Sananju having, you know, maybe an extra weapon or something diddling with the freaking psycho frame to make it more powerful for him. Fine, but it just seemed kind of okay, whatever. Now, it was cool to see all those famous scenes throughout Universal Century and uh, especially First Gundam reanimated i mean that that looked awesome mm-hmm. and so that that was a plus not just and that but the music choice the music choice too Roger's little time yep. trip which is an orchestrated version of beginning from the third gunny yeah wow and that's why it sounded familiar <laughs> yeah oh yeah fantastic I mean, but um yeah, so you got that. Banajer getting crazy with the new type stuff, getting crystals on the unicorn, and then going off was a little weird. And then the fact that it just kind of stops at the point of getting to the, oh, well, the general rebel is coming. Okay, well, <laughs> what, what's going to happen? Because it's a pretty big battleship, and it was seemed pretty powerful. So it almost seemed at a point we were just kind of left on the edge there. It's like, Okay, well, they stopped the Grips 2 laser and the and full frontal, but they still have this other uh, menace out here, which is still pretty powerful, but we're not even going to see what happens with that. So a- as a whole, you know, uh, definitely something I wasn't expecting when this was announced four years ago when it came to, well, mainly because there was no episode seven supposedly done. So, but um, I-, I will give it back to Chris because uh, I'm sure we'll 
go with our thoughts of this series as a whole uh, after Solbro and Chris says their piece on Seven. So back to you, Chris. Solbro, kicking it to you. Well, I'll just listen my uh, my positives and negatives. Uh, I'll start with my positives. That run back scene where you get to see all the um, all the different uh, key moments throughout uh, the uh, UC saga up until that point, I thought was pretty awesome. I was I was hoping to see some scenes from uh, uh, Zeta and Double Zeta, being that they still have you know some kind of relevance onto this story. But um, other than that, it, it, it was it was it wasn't really necessary. But um, I really appreciated the fact that they went back and reanimated those scenes and even had the little cameo from uh, Amaro, Shar, and Lala, you know, to have them, even though you don't see Amaro, as Chris said, you do hear his voice. So it was, that was pretty awesome to, uh, to see that. And the fact that they, those, those three characters were haunting, um, full frontal and, 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 and full frontal. It was part of kind of his, uh, uh, his will to, to kind of keep things mediocre <laughs> and the same, but, um, uh, the fact that they showed up to intervene towards the end was a pretty neat touch. One of the weird things I thought in this uh, episode is that Angelo got to live. I would have never thought he would get to live. And then when he shows up to see, that's his name, right? Angelo, the the dandy yeah. character. Yes. Yeah. Um, to see him actually uh, find the body of Full Frontal and to see him well up. I, I guess even evil gets to, or, or even assholes get to survive. So. <laughs> It was a nice touch. I, I figured he would have committed suicide oh, or something like that. Yazan did. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I forget. Universal Century does favor the dick. So, <laughs> so um, but Yazan was a likable, a likable asshole. Unlike Angelo, Angelo was a uh, a bit of a a bit of a douche, but uh, he made it. So that, that's that's. I guess cool in some way, shape, or form. What I, I do have a, a bit of an issue with the big reveal of Laplace's box because when this series started, I, I had a feeling they wouldn't be able to keep up with um, the expectations of what's in that box. And when you get the big reveal, it's in the box. I thought it was kind of cool that there was a a, 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 a passage or a, a an, an article in the uh, in the charter that did um speculate that new types would come around but uh, it would have made more sense if the, if it gave them the uh, the ability to have representation in the government um as opposed to like being like in charge of the government you know that that would have made more sense and, and for them to cover that up i would have accepted that a bit more or here's an idea maybe um just the people of space after they you know after the colonies are set up and they seem like they can do it the the colonies uh you know, they do their own government. They govern themselves. Because wasn't that the whole Zeon War? Was it, you know that did, that was their initial? Yeah, that would have made even more sense. That was that was their initial thing. I mean, we know the zombies yeah. just wanted to take over everything, but that's what they always flaunted was, hey, you know, we should have a say in our, in our matters up here. Yeah, and that's just what the that space noise should have equal say in their um in their rights, yeah. as opposed to being completely shepherded by the not Federation. that oh. You're yeah. space adapted. Here, have the take a, take control of the government. Yeah, because I don't I don't understand how they could even foresee that new types were going to come around, um, way 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 back then when they were just migrating into space. But um, oh well. Funny <laughs> thing about that though is uh, since since the uh, mm-hmm. charter is written in English and even says it's written in English mm-hmm. and actually is proper English and not English. Thank goodness. Right before that, interestingly, there's a nice little double O article, so to speak, talking about aliens. Really? Yes. Oh, wow. It mentions (laughs) that if contact is ever made with extraterrestrial entities, that uh, the Federation should increase uh, research. Man, get out of town. I didn't realize it was the article double O. That's fantastic. (laughs) 
And Noah does not mention uh, for the for the coming dialogues. Oh man, I was hoping. Funny if it did. Oh, that would be amazing. <laughs> That'd be funny. <laughs> Opened up those talks, but uh, the animation in this episode was gorgeous. Uh, it, it was uh, time well spent. The, the, the time they spent on editing, animating this episode, and getting it out there. We had to wait a long time for it, but um, the fights, especially since it's ninety minutes. Yeah, it was ninety minutes. An extra. 30 minutes that we don't normally get we got for this episode and every bit of it was well animated i can't think of one scene that fell off yeah because usually when you get to the last episode of an ova they're skimping they've run out of money um there's all sorts of animation issues and you can definitely see it in a production if especially if it's rushed and i'm glad they didn't rush this one because they did need to send it off in the best way they possibly could um the fight scenes were great uh, i hated Reedy's turn though I hated it so damn much. If there's any problem I have with this damn episode, I knew that Marita was going to get killed. I mean, that was definitely no surprise there. But after she dies, he has a come to Jesus moment. I was like, F you, dude. (laughs) Seriously. You kill someone and then you find a moment of clarity. No, man. I, 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 I can't accept that. Everybody forgives him. Everybody forgives him. It's like, yeah. no. I don't think Zinnerman will. <laughs> First thing he does when he gets on board that ship is Zinnerman's punching the shit out of him. And he should. <laughs> but, yeah, it's like, dude, it took that girl's death. Like, does every play clone have to die? <laughs> Do they really? I was like, yes. Cause, I was like, I, it was it was telegraphed she's the last, probably, mm-hmm. and she's probably the last of them. Probably, you know, if if we're not counting um, the evolve with judo, exactly. You know, when you when it was telegraphed heavily last episode that you know yep. she was going to end up going out there all wounded and 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 half dead to go out and try to. <laughs> and anytime you go out wounded into battle, yeah. in a hastily repaired mobile suit that has like no legs and like makeshift weapons, mm-hmm. that's basically like. That's that's uh that's basically a machine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> pretty much. For the most part, I mean, she wrote her t- she pretty much wrote her own check at that point and uh she definitely cashed it in. We got well, mm-hmm. I'll tell you something that'll make you even more upset. Oh, what's that? Go ahead. You know how it went down in the novel? Oh, how? Okay, this I've known for many years, but in the novel, uh Riddy in his madness was going to shoot the nail Argama. So she jumped in front of the ship to take the blast and pull a Mula Flaga and save the ship. Oh. I, oh, no. Really? That, I mean, granted, it's we've seen it before, but that would have made more sense. Would have been better than just standing there doing yeah. nothing yeah. and just getting killed for no reason. That that I totally agree with because it just seems like her death was a waste. I mean, granted, she affected everybody you know, with the new time naked space moment. But uh, yeah, but know, how many? It's like well, how many God, times how many have we seen it? We've seen this not just in Gundam in general, but Universal Century. Like the the dead new type girl saves everything and changes yeah. everything. It's like, and and oh God, guys, maybe that's. Maybe that's my biggest problem with this is that it just runs down the greatest hits uh, path of elements we've seen in previous Gundam series. I, I think, you know, it, it, it's good to see a return to UC, but I was hoping to kind of have a bit of a, a new take on how you resolve a situation and it kind of played by the numbers instead. Um, you know, I, I still enjoyed watching it, but man, it, it, there, there, there are some, some issues with the fact that it was very predictable in, in, in some ways. Um, the conversation between um, uh, uh, Benazir and his uh, his great grandfather and uh, uh, Audrey was was pretty you mean, interesting. You mean all his all his boring exposition. Yeah, I mean, if anything, I, the fact that he's been pretty much observing him the whole time was pretty neat. But at the same time, it wasn't the kind of the uh, 
the climax I was looking for. <laughs> also, uh, rest in peace for his voice act, Siam's voice actor who died recently. And we uh, mentioned in the news a couple episodes back. Oh, wow. Uh, that was his voice. Wow. Well, yep, dude's uh, dead. Rest, rest in peace to him, man. I, I, he was also, um, I remember correctly. He was the original 0079 narrator and was also Degwin. Well, that makes some sense. That you actually heard, it, when you hear him talking about, uh, you know, Universal Century 0079 and blah, 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 blah. If if his intonation and everything sounds familiar, it's because it is. That's a nice touch. That's a nice touch. Uh, kudos to Sunrise for ca- casting him as that character because, yeah, he did have a few narrative moments in the series. So that, that definitely must have hit home for a lot of longtime Gundam fans in Japan. Wow, that's pretty cool. <laughs> but I, I guess my other issue with this episode, and I'll, I'll close out with this. Um, it ends like most Gundam series do with no epilogue. Um, it say what you will about 0083. It has an epilogue. It tells you at least what becomes of some of these characters. And knowing that this series is kind of smack dab in the middle of UC transitioning into a new age. I was hoping for a little bit of uh, a little bit of information as to what new became age? of these people. <laughs> Not that kind of age. How dare you? <laughs> but I was hoping for a little bit of. Um, of information about the fates of some of these characters yep. towards the but end. But you know what, though? Here's mm-hmm. the thing. Most Gundam shows mm-hmm. and movies and whatever end at the immediate end of the conflict. Which is Unicorn fun. doesn't even end there. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, Unicorn true. ends when there's still things happening. Like, yeah. let's go fight the General Revel. And that, that's a big problem with Gundam series is that they so they end yeah, so abruptly and, and in this one even more abruptly. Um, they should have kind of had a more uh, a better ending. But I'd at least prefer the standard Gundam abruptness yeah. to this abruptness. If they had thirty. Like, you didn't even get to the finish line. Yeah, they have they had thirty more minutes to play with. They could have kind of toned down some of the battles and given us fifteen minutes of resolution, and I would have been I would have been fine with well, that. I don't but, think they need to tone down the battles. They need to tone down as the. Uh, repetitious philosophizing about uh, yeah that's true you know i don't know how many freaking times this episode i heard about the possibility of humanity and how the charter was a <laughs> prayer and a wish for the future and blah, blah, blah. it's like how many freaking times did someone babble that out yeah, this episode it, yeah it, it, it made it for it, it could have been so much more than what it was cut, cut that down those instances by about 50 times and then you got more space for a better ending because yeah. to be honest with you they don't really say anything that we haven't really heard before yeah. in the yes, end we've, it's we've been hearing that babbling about possibility and the yeah. possibility and the beast of possibility since episode one mm-hmm. i mean you're talking about something that's almost 20 years from uh 0079 and nobody's gotten any closer to identifying what a uh, new type is or anything <laughs> like that. I mean, it's just, they're just babbling on about the same stuff. Why can't we get along? Uh, this is, you know, blah, blah, blah. And yeah, they're, they're afraid to pull the trigger on that because, you know, no one really has been able to define it. But, you know, if it, you figure by this point that someone would try to put their own stamp on it, uh, creatively, uh, in the, uh, in the, um, sunrise, um, writing staff and i guess they just just don't do it i I guess it might be one of their um one of their rules not to do that so but chris back to you sir i I would love to hear what you think about this episode well i know a lot of people hate this episode i know some people love it i'm gonna have to go down the middle and say really it's a mixed bag yeah yeah and it's got a lot of problems and you know going into this even from episode one I anticipated some of these problems because you know even with unicorn the novel being set in 0096 it's sandwiching itself between Char's counterattack and F91 and, of course, victory. So it can't – it sort of falls into, like, the prequel 
problem where there's already an established storyline, so you really can't do anything that crazy or earth-shattering because you already know what happens afterwards. Mm-hmm. Yep. Although, so it's like, even it's it's a midquel because it's taking place between two things that have already been established. Yep. So you got to stick basically to the status quo. You can't have, you know, the downfall of the Federation as a result of Laplace's box because we know they're still alive and kicking in F91 and victory. So you can't do that. You're robbed of that dramatic revelation. Had F91 and victory not existed, maybe you could have done that and had, you know, much more punch to the story. Mm -hmm. But their hands are tied, understandably. Okay. First of all, the construction of this episode and the pacing is really lopsided because the first... 30 minutes is pretty much big old fleet battle, which is nice. <laughs> Everything's good. Mm-hmm. Then we get a huge chunk of really boring exposition and philosophizing and more babbling from Full Frontal about being a vessel filled with the hopes of the people, which he's said about 50,000 times that oh, I'm yeah. so tired of hearing. <laughs> Then we get this uh, battle between the Gundams and the Neo Zeong. Mm-hmm. We get our little space adventure through time, and then a lot more babbling, the magic takedown of Grips 2, and then more weird new type stuff. Yeah. And I'm okay with weird, weird new type stuff. You sort of have to be right. when you watch UC Gundam, like Camille with the biosensor and Judo with the biosensor. And I can even accept Amuro. And the freaking craziness of the psycho frame using the will of the people to push back Axis. But- yeah, because it's all escalated up to that point, and the technology has grown, and his powers have grown. So I, I, it's something I can easily accept, but I know a lot of people didn't. I don't know. I, I wouldn't say easily accept, but it's like I, can, I give it the benefit of the doubt because mm-hmm. this crazy stuff happens in Gundam. <laughs> yeah. But Unicorn just takes it to, like, an even more ridiculous level Mm -hmm. with this, like, hey, let's have this, like, crazy psycho field that absorbs a colony laser and renders it useless. And also, the Unicorn has all these crazy crystals, and it's like, did the Unicorn absorb a Benazir because it was, like, sort of running off on its own, like an Ava unit? Like, what the hell happened there? (laughs) There's also a lot of intense debate among the fandom of whether Full Frontal and Benazir actually traveled through time. Wow. Literally. Or if they were just like having weird, funky new type visions. I always thought it was like just, it was kind of a, a psychosis where they, maybe their consciousness for a moment was going back through time, maybe through uh, a, a new type. Uh, they, maybe they followed a new type trail of some sort and they, they went through time for a moment. Or, or maybe it was all in their heads. I honestly don't know. <laughs> Who freaking knows? Yeah. Yeah, I was also bothered by Marita's pointless and empty death. Mm-hmm. And Riddy's annoying craziness and his sudden Jesus moment and his coming back into the fold. It just happens way too, you know, curtly and patly. Yeah, absolutely. With no Everyone repercussions. Everyone just accepts him. No repercussions. Oh, yep. you fucked up. Oh, it's, okay. it's cool. It's cool, guy. <laughs> Come back to us. Everybody's uh, everybody's worried about you. No, everybody's pissed because you killed off uh, Marita, including the audience. <laughs> One thing which neither of you mentioned so far mm-hmm. is um, Full Frontal himself. Yeah, go ahead. Full Frontal, what the hell is he? Yeah, it's like... Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, is he a clone or is he a man who got plastic surgery to look like Char? Or, you know, He's what is the never, story behind him? Ex- there is an explanation in the novel, which I don't remember, but... Obviously, nothing is given to us in the OVA, and 
it's a pretty major thing that is sorely lacking and immediately noticeable. Yeah. Who created him? For what purpose? How did he get to be where he is? Is he the one who's really in charge? Is he just a puppet being used to control silly Zeon? And uh, to what end? I mean, the first thing that comes to my mind is a clone because uh, we have stories like Gaia Gear um, where, you know, they actually made a clone of Char and he's supposed to, um, you know, does he will he follow down the path of the original Char or whatnot? Well, that guy's just a memory clone. He's just a memory clone. So I was thinking that maybe maybe uh, Full Frontal is akin to that, but at the same okay, time, they never, they never, cl- yeah, exactly. How and why? What's the backstory? <laughs> and, yeah, what's yeah, the backstory? And, and it does make you, why is he... Why is he catapulted into the the head of Neo Zeon just because he looks like Char and sounds like Char? Sounds like him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Has a little scar on his forehead. Oh boy! You know, and what what is the point of anything he was doing, and what was the point of all of his endless blabbering about being an artificial vessel filled with the hopes of the people? What? What hopes and what people? People, yeah. And that whole like side prosperity sphere that he talked about a couple episodes back, pretty much, you know, instantly dropped. And then in the end, it's like, what is the point of him doing anything at all when he himself has all these nihilistic views that everything is meaningless because the universe is going to die anyway? Like, what? What kind of antagonist just gives up? And sort of fades away. Yeah, he just becomes an obstacle to be overcome at the end. And even even Haman at least had to actively commit suicide. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He just turns gray. Yeah. I mean, he's just he's just like, yeah. He, no, there's no point in anything. Yeah, see he, you later. He, he dies to transform his death. <laughs> he accomplished nothing. Mm-hmm. Nor did his lackey Angelo, who is one of the most annoying Gundam lackeys ever. What, what was the point of that guy's character to be other than just being a whiny douche? <laughs> Not much, apparently. <laughs> a whiny douche and a dandy. Yeah. And and it's like, what's the point of letting, letting that guy live? I don't know. There's yeah. no justice he starts in the going, world? He starts going crazy and murking his own guys. Yeah, for, for, for a, a really weak reason. I was like, that's your backup, man. I was like, you, you shoot your own people in the back, man. You can't be trusted. You're terrible. I was like, you need, you really need to go. Like the, his actions. I mean, granted, I mean, in, in, in reality, you know, some of the worst people still live on, but, um, I just was hoping he would, he would go out in a blaze of, of fire. I was hoping that, uh, Benazir would take him out. And of course, that didn't it almost, happen. it almost seems to a point that they have Neo Zeon there just because, hey, this is Universal Century. And it's in, you know, the 0090s. So they're still around. So we need to at least put them in there because they really didn't do much. If you kind of think about that, too, is all, all we're looking at is the Siam Vist. He's got this chart, the original charter, which no copies were made. And uh, he's just blackmailing and extorting the Federation, yeah. uh, you know, for his own good. Where it's like, is he the bad guy? Or is, I mean, I don't even get that, is you know. It- Mm-hmm. And, and if Neo Zeon knew about this, because they make it like they kind of knew something was up with this thing, mm-hmm. then I mean, I, I don't know. Because it even goes down to this whole thing of if I'm the Federation, why wouldn't you just call the guy's bluff? It'd be like, yeah, I got this charter that I have the original charter that's got 15 as opposed to your 14 articles. Well, no, you don't. You made that up. Uh, ours, ours was blown up. You know, it's like, <laughs> why, why would you even give this guy any. You know, allow this to ha- go on for what almost a hundred years? Really? 
kind of crazy. Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. Nuts. And it, then and what, a, a question about Angelo, actually. Wasn't there like talk that Angelo's character might actually have appeared in a later Gundam series like uh, uh, either F91 or, um, or, or uh, Victory? As an older man, like maybe involved with the Zanskar Empire or something like that. Maybe it sounds just, like made up fan. It sounds bullshit. like made up yeah. fan nonsense. But if anything, that that would be the only reason I would say to keep him alive. <laughs> if he if he turns out to be an old yeah. crazy dude later on, but who knows? So Tamino Tamino went forward in time. He did, and then went back in time to write that character because hey, he knew. Don't you know he's got the DeLorean, man? Come on, <laughs> <laughs> Kitty Pride, son. <laughs> So here's the most ridiculous thing, which is the box itself being the original charter of the Universal Century, which mm-hmm. is so retarded because, as I just mentioned, these 15, uh, I mean, 10 commandments. Right. Like, yeah. in the Universal Century, you see 0001, there's just this little freaking carved monument thing, and that is the only copy mm-hmm. yeah. anywhere of this document there are no draft copies which always get circulated around whenever you have these legislative actions by these bodies yeah um nobody else in the federation government is aware of what this charter says and has a copy of it on their computer and wouldn't you know like leak it to the media in advance which would have happened anyway because we see this happen all the time all the time like drafts of new international treaties getting leaked to the media in various countries. So this would have not happened at all. It's like there's just this one copy and everyone agreed to completely keep their mouth shut and the Federation let themselves be blackmailed for a century by some random guy instead of just sending a wetworks team to just freaking kill him. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's amazing. It's like you figured there was mass media coverage uh, even during the, uh, the, the, yeah, it was being the, the ceremony. It was being filmed and broadcast all over the world. So there's no way they could have hit it unless five minutes before the ceremony happened, they decided to add that, 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 that charter. And it happened like right there on the spot, which of yeah, course it, it looked didn't. Like there was, but it looked like they were signing it yeah. on TV. So exactly. it's like the charter is already done. It's already You're done. You're looking at it. You're, they're just signing it. And even for these important things like, you know, the president, whenever the president gives a speech, the prepared remarks are distributed in advance to the media. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like there should be hundreds or thousands of people who are aware of what this charter is. And I just can't believe that the only physical copy anywhere existed on Laplace and its destruction is this uber uber secret that could bring down the Federation. <laughs> um, and that the fact that one guy can extort a mass government entity like this, like you said, you could they could send in a team at any time. I mean, really? This guy was some dirty dirty terrorist that didn't have anything and all he did was float off with this thing and said, Hey, I got this. Uh, give me money and power. Really? <laughs> I mean, it's just, uh, and it's just for the fact of just doing the 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 plausible deniability defense too. Be like, no, no, it's it's fourteen. I don't know what you're talking about. So, yeah. <laughs> it's so stupid. Then there's also the unasked question that the show throws right in your face, but never ever addresses, which is why was that article removed, and what's yeah. the big deal that it needed to be removed and why is the Federation determined to not let it be known that it removed that article? 
as as Neo mentioned, it would have made more sense for them to take out that article if it actually had more to do with the space noids independence than anything else. But it it was pretty much predicting new types, and I mean, who then? I know, would but be basically, to it's basically, that? there's a conspiracy there. Yeah, that's that's unacknowledged because yeah. some group of people decided, well, actually, we should not have this thing in the charter, and we're going to cover up its existence and pretend it never happened, even though it should be abundantly clear that it did happen. So it's yeah. like. What was that conspiracy? Who decided that this should be erased from history? What is the purpose of this? And then there's even the bigger unanswered question that the show sidesteps uh, by saying, what the hell does any of this matter if it got out? Because you already had the one-year war happen anyway. It's the most destructive war ever. Mm Mm-hmm. In Universal Century history, it killed half of humanity. How much worse could you get <laughs> if this bombshell got out? Like, Xeon people hate the Federation anyway, so yeah. what does this change? It just makes them hate you more, but they're still going to hate you and keep fighting you in successive failed rebellions. Yeah. Once the one-year war happened, this should have been out of the bag. After the, the one-year war, it's like there's really nothing that can challenge the Federation's overall military supremacy, even if they are very slow to respond to some of these things like the Neo-Zeon attacks. But in reality, Neo-Zeon could never bring them down in any incarnation. Mm -hmm. So what difference would it have made to have this dumb little charter get out? Not much. (laughs) Since that was the mindset of the Zeon anyway, it's like they wanted to run, run shit in space. So, you know, they thought it was their right, and this would have just backed them up. And the the most difference it would have made is that the more people would have backed them, probably. Now, one common criticism I've heard about the Charter ever since it was spoiled in the novel, and mm-hmm. the thing is, before the anime even started, I already knew. Oh wow! What what the box was from having read novel spoilers? Yeah. So I've known for years that it was this dumb thing. <laughs> What I was waiting to see was how would the show depict it, yep. and, it and it was dumb. To the letter, huh? So one common complaint that's been around since the novel ended is that it's Fukui's attempt to uh, – because he's like sort of a right-wing kind of extremist guy. Yeah. All Imperial Japan sort of craziness oh. apparently. Oh, wow. One of these types. Let me guess he's probably a, a World War II uh, uh, denier as well. <laughs> Possibly. Goodness. And that uh, the whole point of Laplace's box and the secret charter and all of that was to retroactively justify Xeon. Oh, come on. Because <laughs> all of these right-wing guys are also uh, Xeon supporters. Boy. Oh, Jesus. <clears throat> wow, I would have never guessed that. <laughs> That's ridiculous. So thinking about that, what, what do you guys think? Um, I mean, there's there's some validity there. I mean, the way you... The way you uh, uh, connect the dots. I, I, wow. I, I didn't even realize the writer would had that viewpoint. Um, I don't it, exactly buy it because there are, you know, many points throughout the show where you have characters explicitly laying out just how dumb Zeon is and how futile yeah. their rebellions have been, and that it doesn't accomplish anything and hasn't helped anybody at all. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, you have so many Zeon. Uh, fighters and participants that even know that it's a lost cause but for whatever reason they're part of it you know it's just they got nothing else yeah you know i was hoping this series would be kind of like a, a thesis on what universal century was up until this point um and in some ways it is because uh there is commentary on the events that happened prior but 
I don't know. I, I, if anything, uh, I, I guess that's uh, a question that uh, I, I can't answer. <laughs> I, I don't really buy it. I just I, the only thing that I see by the big reveal of Article 15 is basically somehow showing the justification of why people were all scared of the new types. Yeah. But then, and once again, this is one of these situations where, okay, they, it's just, just the whole thing about if a space-adapted race comes into existence and they have administration of the government, I just don't understand why that would even, okay, you know, that, that's like, that's like um, you know, just, hey, if uh, you know, we have cloning and genetic engineering right now, if we have genetically modified people that come about, that start coming, populating uh, you know, the streets of the United States, then we're just going to immediately have turn over the government to them. Like, no, that's not going to happen. You, know, you still have to have your form of government and everything like that. It, it, just, it just seems like kind of a weak-willed way to say, oh, you know, they, they really knew that new types were going to happen down this way and, and that you know, it was really, it, it really validif- uh, validates the whole thing of, uh, you know, like everybody always said, that everything should be turned over to the new types because they see everything differently and, and the world would be better and the, world's, the wars would end and famine will end and all this other stuff. So I, that's what I kind of see it as more. I, I, don't, I don't really see it as justifying Zeon being right because, like you stated, throughout the history of Universal Century, we see plenty of people within Zeon themselves knowing this was a futile uh, <laughs> attempt. <laughs> <laughs> that that was going on there. So, and you're right though too, Chris. When you brought up the point of why would the Federation even care at this point if this information gets out after what happened in the one year war? I mean, uh, at this point, there's still uh, areas of the Federation are still uh, recovering from the one year war. So it's like, why would you? Why would this be anything different? I mean, you you would think if that came out, that would make people you know want to. Uh, not go that route and just change the law, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the other thing, too, is they kind of make it seem like, okay, these articles come out, these articles can never be changed. Like, I, I don't know. Like, if this comes out, the, the Federation couldn't, you know, do an emergency session and say, hey, we, we need to repeal this. All in favor. Aye. You know? <laughs> <Bash>. <laughs> so, I don't know. I think it's people just trying to maybe overreach into something that is probably not even really there. It's just kind of, I think on paper, it maybe sounded good to the, the writers and stuff, but it, you know, as you kind of really think about it, it's just kind of there again. I don't know. Yeah. I, I think it's, it's a ridiculous MacGuffin as far as MacGuffins go. And just it's a shame. It's like, it builds up all this hype and it just doesn't deliver. So another problem a, I had, it's just a shame because it's like I said, all you had to do is just say article 15 when they show, when the people in space show that they're able to, um, you know, govern themselves responsibly, they will be given, they will be given equal representation in the Federation or whatever it might be, you know, whatever. That makes a lot more sense than what they did. So mm-hmm. another thing, and this is something that this show has been victim to since the beginning, even more so than other Gundam shows. Because other Gundam shows do this as well. I'm not going to deny that. But Unicorn really, really falls back on this annoying habit of just repeating the same philosophical babbling over and over again, yeah. mm-hmm. as though the repu- as though the repetition reinforces and strengthens the argument. <laughs> as we've seen with the 
constant babbling about uh, possibility this, possibility, possibility, possibility. It's like really beaten over our heads about how the unicorn and everything represents the possibility of humans. And especially this episode, as I mentioned earlier, that the original charter was the prayer for the future. And oh my God, it's just, just shut up with this nonsense and full frontal with the artificial vessel with the hopes of the people. It's like, just stop saying this nonsense. Saying stupid things 5,000 times doesn't make your point more valid or true. Well, come on, Chris, man, it's hype. <laughs> well, and hype you, out you know, of control. It's just bad writing. <laughs> and, and, you, and you know what? And you know what just makes it really bad and stupid is throughout the 20 so years of them studying uh, you know, the very Xeon study in it, the Federation study in the new type phenomenon. The only thing in all the babbling, the only thing we ever see them ever good at is fighting. That's yeah. it. Well, all we see them good at is just fighting each other mm-hmm. and nothing else. So it, it's, it's kind of, kind of lost. It's, it's a bunch of nonsense. Now, moving on to the things I did like. Oh. The animation was uh, pretty top-notch for mm-hmm. most of the episode. Some really great shots. I loved all of the touches from the one-year war, especially with the music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was good to see the RX-78 pop out again. Yep. Mm-hmm. And uh, <clears throat> the music for this episode is just some of the best of the series. A lot of uh, new songs, but also some good remixes and reorchestrations of older songs. Right. And really matching the 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 scenes, so some good selection there. Um, the battles are pretty well done, although again, it's kind of lopsided because we have you know an action heavy first thirty minutes, and then just long stretches of nothing happening with a lot of yeah. boring exposition, particularly with Siam Vist. Right. Um, what else did I enjoy? Oh, I really got a kick out of the Otto and Zinnerman like bro captain scenes. Yeah. <laughs> After this, let's have a drink. Pretty phenomenal. (laughs) They both earned it, too. Oh, my God. (laughs) It's like they they both may be enemies, but they're both captains, and they know what it's like to be shat upon and have to deal with problems and stupid teenagers. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Poor guys. (laughs) So that was was some good stuff. Um, What else did I like? What about uh, the cameos from Brighton and uh, and, – and and Kai uh, and and, and Beltorchka for like a second. <laughs> yes, you just see her face on a screen. So <laughs> it was it was good to see Kai again. You know, dropping some information, mm-hmm. being the intrepid journalist, and it's good to see the Rock Hylum actually get to do something. Although yeah. Bright didn't end up doing much. <laughs> yeah, but you know, I did like his exchange with Ronan, mm-hmm. where uh, he's like, "Hey, if you do this, I'm going to become an enemy of the Federation." It's Hell like. Yeah. Well, we know he's done this before, so... Yeah. <laughs> don't call his bluff, because he ain't bluffing. And then Ronan's like, well, you know, don't uh, don't try to pull a bluff on me, because I know you're a family man. It's like, oh, um, he was already a family man in Zeta. <laughs> that, that didn't stop him then. Nah, he up and left those kids. Those kids were young then, too. So... <laughs> yeah, so... And his wife. Yeah, so when when Bright Noah says, I'm going to become your enemy, you should listen to him. Yeah, you should believe it. (laughs) You should believe him. him. Yeah, definitely. Also, screw you to uh, the Prime Minister there for, again, not caring at all about blowing away tons of innocent people, but Mm -hmm. suddenly feeling so much guilt and remorse when it's his son who's in in danger. What, my son? 
<laughs> He's up but, there. Oh my! Who, who cares about all those pores? Yeah. My yeah. son is in danger. Who cares about all our soldiers that are up there fighting right now? Yeah, I, I'm gonna just blow them from uh, blow them to kingdom come, and not even blink an eye. And it's like, oh, my son's up there. Oh no! Oh no! Now I feel remorse and guilt. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is, is I mean, let's be honest. There, at this point, there's not much of the federation, like the population, left. Mm-hmm. I mean, this isn't the like what nine billion people or something like that. It was at the beginning of Mobile Suit Gundam. <laughs> I mean, that that junk's like at half now. So mm-hmm. I also enjoyed Bright putting Martha in her place where she's talking about, oh, we got to do this and this, and he's like, look, you're just some lady from some private foundation, and the military is going to take care of it the way it wants to, but you got no power here. Yeah, so, GTFO. <laughs> which is about time somebody put that annoying woman in her place glad he got the glad it was bright of all people that got to do it (laughs) yeah let's see what else um yeah those 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 are i'd say for the positives so let's do ratings for this episode and then we'll have overall thoughts so so bro your rating for this episode man i'm gonna have to probably give this uh 3.5 new type crystals out of five neo I'm going to give this three missing bright captain's chair on the Rockham loom out of five. Because I didn't, I didn't see it make that appearance at all. Oh, I didn't even think to look for it, man. I should have, though. Doggone it. Well, no, he never went, he never went down to the battle bridge. He should have, man. Doggone it. So, that would have been the perfect time to reintroduce that chair, man. Maybe, the greatest maybe, character maybe, of all of them. Maybe Gundam. it got retrofitted and they took it out. <laughs> the budget will come, uh, budget cutbacks. <laughs> Well, no, I mean they they took out uh they took out uh, Kirk's chair and then retrofitted Enterprise. They gave him a different oh, chair. Maybe they did that to 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 Bright. I don't know. Boo. Boo. Yeah. His right. uniform's still badass though. Yes, absolutely. That, that, I like that Londo Bell uniform, man. That that thing's on. That big old bell, man. They represent. <laughs> well, he's at, he's actually a little bit different than the other guys too. Because mm-hmm. I mean, at that point, he should be able to. After how many times he saved the Federation and put up with the dumb. The dumb kid that got stuck in the Gundam. So, <laughs> man, it should be an admiral by now. So, so I'm gonna have to give this one because of its many problems. Three and a half new type space ghosts out of five. Oh man, yeah. I mean, it, it's definitely worth watching uh, when you get to the end of the day. Um, you, you if you watch this series, um, it's it's. I guess the cherry well, that, on the top of the go, on the top ahead, of the shake. Go ahead, so bro, on your clothes another series. No, I'm just, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just you're doing it. So I'm just, just I'm just saying, I'm just letting people know. I mean, it was. No, I'm saying complete your thought on, uh, on the closing of the gonna, series. Yeah, yeah we might as well series just, as a whole because you were going into it anyway. So go, yeah. just go ahead. I, I when it comes down to it, uh, watching this series has been a whole lot of fun, um, especially seeing some of the mecha designs that have come about and seeing a lot of mechs that have never been animated before brought to life in the series was 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 a huge boon in this uh, in the show. Even if there was one particular episode where we got to see that happen, but that episode sucked. <laughs> Episode four. Um, if I look back on the whole series, I would say episode three is my favorite. The ghost of uh, the ghost of Laplace with uh, Deguza and his sacrifice. I thought was one of the highlights of the series for me. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think the series is a waste of time. It's good to see that it is canon. 
Laplace's box was a bit disappointing at the end of the day, and it kind of does put a kind of a dark shadow on the series. But overall, I, I did like the characters and some of the loose ends that it does tie up for Universal Century and how things do transition from the 90s all the way up until the next series uh, in the timeline. So, um, yeah, that's those are just my overall thoughts on the entire series as a whole. Um, back to you, Chris. Neo, your thoughts on the series as a whole? Yeah, I'd have to kind of echo the same sentiment when it comes to great to see a lot of the mobile suits that we'd never seen before animated. Definitely some good characters that stand out. The Goose is one, Zinderman's another, even Otto's uh, another character, even though he's not in it that much. You know, he is, but he's not, He, you know, he's not a big part of it on everything. Um, great to see the cameos, especially Kai mm-hmm. and, and Bright. I mean, it, it makes sense that these guys would be in there and and of course the one thing that they do do kind of right is they don't rely on those you know especially bright as being oh hey you know bright has taken over you know that that type of it wasn't uh, a gundam c destiny type of deal which was nice to see the earlier episodes i'd say i was pretty good from episodes one to three um it felt good it felt the pace pacing was a little off on some of them but it felt kind of good four really kind of just kind of torpedoed it and of course we see that as getting the unexpected uh episode seven that was not originally intended uh for the the run of the series downside like we stated the the uh the big reveal is just kind of meh um (laughs) it overall it's just another facet of universal century lore with a little bit uh with a different group of people with some of your uh, old Gundam favorites in there doesn't do anything to really make the universal century that much richer, but it does kind of give us uh, something to kind of view and, and, and to, to look at in between what is it? Uh, Shars counterattack and then F 91. So at least there's something there, but um, could have been a lot better. It was, for four years, you think it would have been a little bit. It would have been done a little bit better when it comes to the story and a little and some of the pacing. But it's not. It's not garbage. And it's you know now that it's all out, you can run through it really quick. And uh, you know you're not going to dedicate yourself too much into it. So that's about it. Back to you, Chris. Yeah, I enjoyed the series overall. It was good to see some old characters come back, like Bright and Mineva. And seeing all these old mobile suits, obscure ones, ones that never had been animated and you never thought would be animated, that was all fun. And you know, coming back to some of the places from the earlier series and sort of hitting on some of the points about the history of the Universal Century, but I think where the series failed most, I mean, it did stumble in episode four as we went over in great detail and I will not rehash, and then did recover in five and six, but I think this series was not served by its episode count, and that initially, obviously, they had started trimming it down to reach six episodes, and then, obviously, there were big delays when they got to seventh, and then I'm sure a lot of their plans got thrown up into the air. So the biggest problem this series had is that it overpromised and underdelivered. Yep. And this happened because both Fukui and the writers of the OVA just were not aware of their sense of scale. And what yeah. I mean is, 
when you have a midquel that operates between two established storylines, in this case, Shars Counterattack and F91, as I mentioned before, you can't do anything that rocks the boat because that future history is already established. So don't throw something out there that you claim is going to rock the boat when in the end you know isn't going to. Yeah, it played it too safe in the end, and that's that's a damn shame. Well, no, they didn't play it safe enough. Yeah. yeah. They should have just been aware of what they can do with that time frame. Perfect example by comparison. Mm-hmm. Look at 0080 or 8th MS team. Yeah. yeah. Neither of those OVAs, you know, teases some, like, earth-shattering revelation about Federation history that will change the course of the war and everything. Mm-hmm. They're both aware that the one-year war has a set outcome, and they both play within the rules of that playground. That's true. Unicorn does not. Yeah, because 0080, I mean, they were going to do a nuke attack on a colony that had a secret uh, R&D base for the Federation. Mm-hmm. Well, that wouldn't With a Gundam have... that was supposed to be built for Amuro and sent to him. Yeah, and it was built in secret. But if that would have happened, even if they didn't stop the attack and that colony blew up, it wouldn't have changed the course of the war. Because, okay, this is just another attack that happened, mm-hmm. you know, for whatever reason. So, but yeah, Laplace's box, I mean, they were making it, oh, this this could change everything and be freedom for the space noids and the new types and stuff. But like, we know no, it didn't not- happen. Yeah, Making it out to be like the, the Holy Grail, man. Yeah, and OAF MS team, it just ends up being a big monstrous uh, super weapon that they did. And okay, it, it had a little bit, it, the Federation had a tough time. Uh, going against it but in the end that didn't change the course of the fi- of the of the war you know so what i think would have served them much better is to just rather than all this laplace secrecy if the focus had been just the last gasp of dio zeon mm-hmm. sort of wrapping up some of the plot points from shars counterattack and maybe introducing some of the plot points to lay the foundation for the crossbones mm-hmm. yeah in f91 you know would have served it better because the problem with Unicorn also is that it tries to have sort of the scale of a Gundam TV show, but as an OVA. OVA. Yeah. Because if you notice, most of the Gundam OVAs, whether they're one year war focused or not, they pretty much sidestep new types entirely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a slippery slope. <laughs> they mention it, obviously. But they, none of the characters are new types. There's no philosophizing about new types. It's like they're just simple military side stories, relatively speaking. Yeah. yeah. And I almost wish Unicorn had stuck to that level rather than try to be like a Gundam TV show with new type teenagers running around Screaming. yelling at people about war. <laughs> Which we've all seen before and I was fine with before, but this is 2014. It's like, how much more can you do of this? It's tiresome. Yeah. So, yeah, overall, I enjoyed Unicorn despite the ups and downs, and I wouldn't list its finale as an ultimate disappointment, but it does have some serious issues that do bring it down. So, I do want to make a quick mention in closing on the seventh episode there's a bonus disc with a compilation episode called Episode EX. 100 Años de Soledad, mm-hmm. or 100 Years of Solitude, which is an obvious reference to the book of the same name by the uh, recently departed Gabriel Garcia Marquez. Oh, wow. So the episode has a little bit of new footage, and it's mainly sort of like a quick review of Universal Century history from original series Zeta, Double Zeta, 
and Shar's counterattack, told from the perspective of Cardius Vist as uh, a space ghost sort of addressing Siam Vist. Right. In the lead up to the last episode. So there is, uh, interestingly, some new animation, including a news report about an attack, the Xeon attack at Dakar, which damaged the Federation Charter Monument. So the funny thing is, they talk about how it's a replica. It's an exact replica of the original that was lost at Laplace when that colony was destroyed. Uh, Funny thing is, someone does a little bad cut and paste job because you can see that uh, this exact replica, which we know should not be exact because it's missing the 15th article, does in fact have the 15th article. (laughs) Somebody done goofed at sunrise. Oh my god. (laughs) Oops. That's so silly. How can they pull that? I, 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 and, and they'll never correct it. Uh. <laughs> so that's that's kind of amusing. So you're really not missing anything by not watching this. You know, it's just more talking about Universal Century and new types and cyber new types and the wars and blah 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 and possibility. Oh boy. Beast possibility. The god of possibility. Blah of blah, blah blah. Possibility. <laughs> So it's just a thing that's there if you want to watch. You know, it's I put it at like seed clip show level. Nothing really important. Nothing mm-hmm. gained or lost. So it's just a thing that's there. It's a curiosity piece. <laughs> yes, it's a curiosity. So if you want to see some clips of old Gundam set to unicorn music with some uh, tedious narration and some little tiny bits of new unicorn animation... You can enjoy that. Otherwise, there's nothing going on here. So with that, we will wrap up after four years our reviews of Gundam Unicorn. It's been a long road since episode 50 of Gundam. (laughs) Hey guys, so are you totally ready to review next uh, the Crossbone OVA and Sentinel and Hathaway's Flash and um, Frozen Teardrop and all these things? I thought you'd never ask. Well... (laughs) I know we would if those things existed in an animated But they're form. totally going to exist, guys. Oh, man. Hmm. That sounds like a hope and dream. Sounds like we got a new hope and dreamer in the crew, and, man. Good stuff. And you, Good stuff. And you know what we do about hopes and dreams on here? We crush them. <laughs> well, you guys crush them. <laughs> oh, take a quick break and be right back. You're listening to Gundam and MHQ. I have been having a very bad day. Just got out of jail this morning. Already I have been shot at. I was on the bus that flipped over 17 times. Bitch tried to stab me in the bathroom. Somebody blew up my Porsche. I am in a bad goddamn mood. Now I usually don't jump in when somebody's getting beat down. But this man Jack Cage is going to help me straighten out the rest of my day. Now I suggest y'all back up and let us go about our business. Because you got a gun? No, because I have a gun and I'll pop a cap in your ass. Greetings, I am Andrew Cook, the host of Pretentious Internet Theatre. Each month, I bring you the finest in literature that internet fan fiction has to offer. Join us, won't you, at tinyurl.com 
slash pitpodcast. Remember, there is much drama on the internet, but only the best makes pretentious internet theater. We're looking for a few good new types. Over the last couple of months, the Gundam Nation has been getting together to play Mobile Suit Gundam Extreme Versus. We call those sessions EX Versus the Gundam Nation. Well, we as a group recently upgraded to the sequel to Extreme Versus, known as Full Boost. We're inviting you to come on out and play the new game with us. Even if you don't have the game, you can watch our live stream and also join in the conversation that we hold on Skype during the stream as well. It's not only a gaming session, but a social event for mecha and anime fans as well. If you have the game, you can add the PSN ID, the Gundam Nation, which is the tag that we use to network all the players for the sessions. Also, make sure to add to your Skype the contact of Shinjuku-Station. So you can have a chance to join the Skype conversation during the stream. If you want to watch the stream live, make sure to head on over to twitch.tv slash fighters ready and follow us there so you can be alerted to when our streams begin. If you missed any of our sessions, head over to youtube.com slash and you'll find a lot of our sessions that we've already had archived there. Just be in mind that the conversations held in these sessions may not be safe for work. For more details on the event, make sure you visit Gundam.net and click on the EX versus the Gundam Nation section. If you enjoy the game, the podcast, or Gundam in general, then you owe it to yourself to come on out to EX versus the Gundam Nation. We'll see you there. Podcasting is king. You are listening to Gundam at MAHQ. Welcome back to Gundam at MHQ, and in this segment we're going to kick off our third and final installment of the Votomes Roundup. And in the first segment we had looked at the original 1983 TV series, and in the second we had looked at all of the OVAs from the 80s and 90s, so now we're going to wrap it up in this century. Nice. nice. Starting with the 12-episode OVA series from 2007, Pales and Files. Those files are packed. (laughs) They are packed with death. (laughs) So this is the first production that uh, followed Shining Heresy. So this is a 13-year gap, and I was very surprised when this series was announced because I figured since it had been so long since Shining Heresy, probably was never going to be any more Votomes. And yet here we were with a 12-episode OVA series. Must have made your day. It did. So Ryosuke Takahashi returned to helm the OVA again, as he'd done with all previous Chiriko stories. Mm-hmm. So this one actually is also uh, an interquel or midquel, because it takes place 
after Roots of Ambition, but before the TV show. Right. So we open with a uh, planetary battle by a uh, a beach, which basically is Vote Holmes' rendition of Saving Private Ryan. Oh, God. <laughs> Normandy. Never looked better. Norman, good old Normandy. <laughs> with scope dogs. Ooh. And, of course, Chirico is injured. Mm-hmm. And survives. So the other part of this Pales and Files is that there's a literal set of Pales and Files of all his secret research and all his dirty secrets from the Red Shoulders that this intelligence officer named Fedak Wakam is trying to decode and use to his career advantage. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, Palesen has been court-martialed for all the shenanigans that happened in Roots of Ambition, and he... uh, goes mad in the middle of court and is declared incompetent and locked away in an insane asylum. <laughs> so his files fall under the hand, the mentioned of Wacom and his assistant Ruske. So he's looking into the files about Chirico, Abnormal Survivor, all of this stuff. So he engineers basically this guinea pig squadron of bringing together all of these guys from the Gilgamesh army who might be abnormal survivors, including Chirico, and testing them all by putting them in crazy missions to see who survives, who is the abnormal survivor indeed. Of course, they don't know this, and none of them get along. There's uh, this guy, Burkoff, who's their commander. Mm -hmm. There's Godan, who's a cold-blooded murderer. There's Zaki, who has an irresistible urge to try to kill Chirico constantly. And then there's uh, Kochak, who they all dismiss as just some cowardly fat loser. (laughs) So you have this improbable team that's sent on all of these crazy missions, scouting out things on their own. Uh, They get shot out of the air. In one episode, and are pinned down by snipers out in an open field. Mm-hmm. In another, they get set to an ice base, which gives us our first set of ice comet and votomes. And then, in the concluding two-episode finale, they get sent as part of this massive invasion force against this Ballarant planet called um, Monad that has tons of advanced technology that uh, seems to be rather Quentian in nature, including teleporters, weird space baby noises, and all sorts of other crazy shit. (laughs) All the tricks. (laughs) Yeah. So, when all these weird things start happening, Chirico basically lays it all out for his teammates that he is an abnormal survivor, according to Paleson. Goes into the whole thing about the rare genes, the one in a zillion or whatever it was that lets them survive all these crazy odds. And um, suddenly these four guys all start thinking, hey, we must be abnormal survivors too. <laughs> We're Wrong. invincible. Oh, God. Why didn't we figure this out earlier? <laughs> Wrong. And when and- you- <laughs> When you start thinking about that, that's when it goes bad. The ultimate jinx. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah, it is the ultimate jinx because as soon as they all started to think that they were invincible and started fighting like maniacs, they all start dying horribly. <laughs> it doesn't take long either. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Oh, no. They all start dropping like flies in episode 12 mm-hmm. until at the end, uh, Monad explodes and takes with it 120 million Gilgamesh soldiers. Oh, man. 
So it's a complete bungle on Wacom's part because Palesen's files were all bunk, mm-hmm. and he yeah. just got played because he finds out that Palesen is in fact um, completely sane and was just playing a part. Damn. And he gets murked by his own assistant, Ruske, yep. who decides to cast aside his name, which will be lost in the pages of history. Mm-hmm. If you look at him, he looks and sounds exactly like a certain John Paul Rochina. Because <laughs> they're the same dude. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it is. There's nothing that guy won't do to, 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 to be an observer, man. He's, he's spectator bracket, but he's comfortable with that. <laughs> he's, he's the ultimate voyeur. Woo. Yeah, he is. <laughs> so, for Chirico... At the end, it's down to just him and Zaki in a life pod. And Zaki was brainwashed by Palesen to uh, have this obsessive urge to kill Chirico. Mm-hmm. And he just can't resist it. So he decides to end it all by offing himself Ooh. and leaving Chirico as the sole survivor yet again. Damn. So following the end of the OVA in 2009, there was a compilation movie cut out some extraneous things and tells the same story but a lot more slimmed down and pretty decently edited for you know as far as mecha compilation movies go mm-hmm. so sober what were your thoughts on pales and files i thought it was a rousing story um it it, it does help to shed the light on what chirka was doing uh during those months that uh he was away from the red shoulders um, transitioning into the uh, the television show, and it was an interesting few months that he spent with these guys. The uh, uh, they're not the Dirty Dozen; they're the Filthy Five, <laughs> and they got into all sorts of impossible situations that, of course, only Chirico could figure out how to get out of. Man, and um, it was entertaining to watch that just unfold as episodes uh, progressed. Um, I thought in some parts it was a little bit ridiculous with, uh, Pelson just refusing to give up information, but knowing that it's a long con when you find out at the end, it's like, okay, well, that makes, that makes complete sense <laughs> that he was playing, uh, was it a Fedok woke, woke, woke or woke Yeah. Yeah. That, Whatever. That, that, that guy. Oh man. He was the biggest rube in the, in the history of the show <laughs> at the end of that, at the end of that run. But, um, I, I, I was cool to see, um, Roshina's uh, origins because that, I guess it raises a question retroactively. Chirico doesn't recognize him when he sees him in Votoms, the beginning of the uh, Votoms TV show. Which but makes he, no sense because yeah. they directly work together and yeah. you know, Roshina's determined in the TV show to, to discover the truth of Chirico. It's like but you already know because you were there from the beginning. So why are you suddenly having like Chirico amnesia? <laughs> yeah, if 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 Rochina never met him face to face, I'd be able to buy it. But because they met face to face, that's a problem for me. Because even if they hadn't met face to face, he already knew what his boss's plans were about yeah. testing abnormal survivors. So. Yeah. That, to me, is a huge continuity problem. Yeah, and when you look at Votoms, it's almost as if Roshin is meeting Chir- uh, Chirico for the first time. Because so, he is. Yeah, pretty much he is. So it's, 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 it's huge. I mean, unless, you know, you could retroactively say, oh, he was acting, but it didn't seem like acting. It seemed like it seemed pretty genuine in his attraction like to Chirico. It genuine obsession of yeah. he's determined to find out what uh, conspiracy Chirico is part of. It's like, but you already knew. Yeah, they would have to go back and redo the TV show at this point in order for, <laughs> in order for us well, to... Well, they, they just screwed up. I yeah. mean, that's, that's what it is, so... 
they they filled in way too many spots that didn't need filling in. But uh, I still thought it was cool to see him under a different name in this and to see him turn on his master at the very end because he wants to chase a bigger prey. Oh, not even a bigger prey, just a, 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 a bigger thing that's happening because, you know, now you saw Chirico pretty much survive an impossible situation and knowing what, um, what, uh, what Paleson has been doing, he wants to be, you know, somewhat involved in that and try to see where that's going to ultimately end up. So just to see his origins was, was a real treat in all of this. And of course, to see these, these jokers think they're invincible and then they just die one by one as if it's a final destination. <laughs> it's, it's, it's pretty effed up, but, um, an interesting thing. But one of the other things that, that tickled me pink was, uh, Chris has a very, uh, a very treasured character in the second arc of Votoms, uh, Khan Yu. And to see him kind of resurrected in the form of Sergeant Wop in this uh, series and voiced by the same guy. And, and you find out in a very small moment that that those two characters were the best of boys uh, during their 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 time in uh, Kumin. Um, to, just to see them bring back his character, at least to some degree, was, was a bit of a, a, a bit of a treat for me because he's such a dick. You're just glad to see what he gets when uh, when he does get his uh, just desserts in the end. But uh, that's uh, other than that, those are just some things I wanted to touch upon. I'll turn it back over to you, Chris. Neil? Um, yeah, definitely uh, uh, a great OVA. Uh, the twist at the end is great. It's like, oh, <laughs> Paleson's not really crazy. He's not, he doesn't really know what's not going on. He's, uh, he's got it all planned out. And yeah, it was kind of it was nice to see all that kind of go down um and uh, and then of course um the full realization of hey maybe we're just like chirico no <laughs> no you're not <laughs> so yeah that was pretty funny uh definitely some of the standout episodes i would have to say are of course episode one i mean my god it's Ooh. it was a de- it was like a scene by scene recreation it seemed of of those old D-Day films and Saving Private Ryan, I mean, to see Scope Dogs go through the same hell that the the soldiers did is is and it's a little weird. Landing ships and yeah, I mean, just it, wow, just kind of crazy. Um, definitely like that one. Another standout for me was the sniping episode where they get on the um, they're on a transport plane. plane. It gets sabotaged or sabotaged <laughs> and. Um, they're getting sniped by the Gilgamesh purification front. Um, oh boy! Yeah, so we see that those guys and and the fact that they're they're having to get out of uh, the whole thing that they do with the plane because the way that the ramp goes down to launch the scope dogs, it actually is underneath the plane as opposed to the back of the plane. So they have to do a whole thing with that. And then of course the um, uh, the uh, cold snap episode where they go back to the base and earlier the polymer, what is it? The polymer rigid uh, liquid is ignited and it causes climate change basically. Pretty much. And uh, (laughs) it's making the uh, planet go become crazy cold Mm -hmm. very quickly. And uh, uh, all the other soldiers have bugged out of this base and it's just Chirico and the guys and them trying to get out of there. So, um, but yeah, some definitely, uh, definitely some good stuff there, and um, you know, 
really uh, really really expands on the whole thing with pails and the the only downside that I have is gosh, you kind of want to see what the hell he was doing before all this stuff. Like, uh, it's almost like, man, it would be nice just to have like a pales and OVA where it's just him like forming the red, <laughs> the red shoulders. Because it's like every time that somebody mentions the red shoulders, man, people shit their pants. Like, <laughs> oh my God, red shoulders, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, so, I mean, that, the, I, I definitely got that as I, um, uh, as I was, as I was done with everything. So, but, Definitely good stuff. So back to you, Chris. Well, as I mentioned before, I was certainly surprised to have a new Pales in, I mean, a new Votums OVA, and the animation for this one's pretty solid. I wasn't sold initially on the CG mecha. Oh, no. Because in the yeah. early episodes, it's like PS2 level. Yeah, it's a, yeah. The, the frame skips were plenty in the, in the earlier episodes. It got better later on, but I, I wish they had just stuck with traditionally animated mecha yeah. because that's the appeal it's one of the appeal of otomes and it's kind of lacking early on mm-hmm. with that animation um it definitely does fall victim to as i mentioned in the last segment with roots of ambition the the prequel trap of having chiriko know too much about his whole background before he showed it in the tv show right and then they expand it to now even more people with as we mentioned roshina having been there from the very beginning but then acting like he wasn't in the tv show so (laughs) that stuff could have been avoided yeah definitely this ova furthers the notion that there's no good people in the votoms universe because chirico's teammates are pretty much all jerks (laughs) burkhoff doesn't seem so bad until you find out like his background yeah Although Godan is probably like just the biggest asshole out of the whole group. God damn. Yeah, he's, he's just an awful human being. He's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now, I, ha- I did not have time to rewatch Pales and Files before the segment, so I'm going off of memory, but I'm kind of curious now, since you guys recently did. Mm-hmm. Uh, were there any women at all in Pales and Files? Because I don't seem to remember being any whatsoever. <laughs> I don't recall. I don't. I don't recall any either. Yeah, it's, it's just ones in the background, but none with like speaking roles. No. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'll be honest. I don't even really remember too many in the background. There might be one or two, but it was pretty much uh, a bro fest. <laughs> yeah, I mean, both of those are pretty man-heavy universe, but it it really jumps at the pales and is like super, super, super bro-heavy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kind of weird, but I guess they're aiming for that target audience. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, there's some great episodes. I enjoyed, uh, you know, the opener as Neo had mentioned the uh, Normandy D-Day invasion with Scope Dogs. I enjoyed jumps out, jumps out at you, like yeah, not kind of expecting it. So I enjoyed the the sniper episode because they had to figure out how to get out of the pickle they were in. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Cold Snap episode was good, mm-hmm. and it was interesting that seeing how they finally had become a team near the end of the series and they were working together. Then they got transferred to this black ops with you know these black uniforms, and then they all got cocky and died. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty badly too. Yeah, the the finale was kind of weird on this planet with uh, all this Quent junk and space baby noises and all of that yeah. weird stuff from Votomes. And as far as the actual ending, where Chirico is just kind of floating in a space pod with uh, the corpse of Zaki. Mm-hmm. I was kind of hoping that the actual ending would connect a bit more to the TV show, like maybe show him ending up 
in that special forces unit before their assault on Lido. Yeah, that's what I was hoping too, that it would actually just uh, tie things up to just to tie right things there. up and like just very like cleanly transition from Pales in to the TV show. Mm-hmm. Doesn't do that though. Nope. No. <laughs> just sort of another Chirico on his own endings. Putting himself to sleep. In, not walking into the horizon this time. No. <laughs> just put himself to sleep to float off into who knows how long for whatever amount of time. Indeed. But it's a solid OVA, so uh, let's do ratings, Solbro. I'm going to have to give this one, uh, um, because I'd never seen a Panic Chirico until the beginning of this series. Uh, I'll have to give this uh, four Panic Chiricos out of five, man. It was, it was a rare moment, but during the D-Day invasion, man, that you, you see Chirico like, just, just, just really, really panicked, at least for a few minutes, as everybody's dying around him. So, uh, yeah, four, four Panic Chiricos out of five. Neil? Oh, I'd have to give this uh, three, uh, three, three headshot uh, trophies. <laughs> three and a half headshot trophies out of five. Woo. I'm going to have to give this four wannabe abnormal survivors out of five. Oh, damn. <laughs> and there were four wannabe abnormal survivors. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Holy that's why, that's well, why I did it. Well done, sir. Well done. You, you, <laughs> you lined it up nicely. All right, so this next thing is going to be a little weird because uh, we're going in production order. Mm-hmm. So we're going to be discussing Phantom Arc, which is a sequel to Shining Heresy and takes place in the future. Mm-hmm. However, there is a missing bit because there's an OVA that takes place in between the two of them, which didn't come out until after Phantom Arc <laughs> called Alone Again. And I wish I watched it first before I watched Phantom Arc. I was so pissed. <laughs> But since we're going in production order, we're mm. going to get to Alone Again at the very end. All right. So Phantom Arc started coming out in 2010. It's a six-episode OVA. Mm-hmm. As I mentioned, it takes place after Shining Heresy, but it's not cleanly after Shining Heresy because it jumps a little bit further. So we find out that Chirico was reunited with Vanilla, Kokona, and Gotho, who was somehow improbably still alive. <laughs> All that good living. <laughs> the fact that he was already fat and old in Votomes. <laughs> so he was reunited with them, but he already left on his own again and is wandering around. Mm-hmm. So it being the uh, anniversary of them having all met and everything, they decide to go on a nostalgia trip and go to Uodo, which I guess was rebuilt, even though it was short at the end of... Uh, the first arc of the TV show. Mm-hmm. So it's still a piece of shit place. <laughs> and they come across a familiar face from the TV show, Rushako himself. Who knew? He's always around. He's always hanging around. And he hasn't aged all that much. <laughs> well, Quentians are very long-lived. Very long-lived indeed. As was established in the TV show. So they get attacked by a mysterious AT, and they're trying to find Chirico. So they pick up the, the scent of the trail... And in the second episode, they revisit Kumin, mm-hmm. which we find has been ruled these last few decades by Pol Potaria, who's now the president. Remember him from the Kumin arc when he was part of uh, Assemble EX-10 with uh, Chirico and all these other guys. Absolutely. And he was a modernist mm-hmm. because the central conflict in Kumin in the show was you had this religious conflict between these traditionalists versus the modernists who wanted modern technology and basically modern everything. Mm -hmm. So 
Unfortunately, nothing has changed whatsoever, and Potaria has really not accomplished much. And it's the exact same dynamic as when uh, we found it in the TV show. Mm-hmm. So we see them revisit the old nightclub, which got rebuilt and is still popular. So definitely some nostalgia there. And they get attacked by a strike dog, which is the uber-advanced mecha that Chirico was using at the end of the TV show made for him by the Secret Society. Mm -hmm. Still trying to find out where he is, and the pilot of that strike dog reveals that he's just attacking them as bait to lure Chirico out. And in the process, he ends up killing Potaria. Jeez. Oops. Oops. Of, yeah. all, of all characters to kill him. <laughs> yes. So, take a guess, guys, where episode three finds us. Oh, my gosh. Sansa. Sansa, yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's so shocking. <laughs> yes. And we find out that Chirico's been living on Sansa for several months with, oh, look who it is, <laughs> Sophie. Your favorite character in all the votos. <laughs> of all people. So... Uh, she's very old now, and she uh, has poor eyesight mm-hmm. and doesn't know that Chirico's been hanging out with her all this time because, well, she really can't see clearly, mm-hmm. and she wouldn't expect that he would still look the same 30 years later. Yep. She didn't know about his cryogenic stasis. So she has mellowed a bit with age, and we see that Sansa has improved in the intervening decades because – you don't need a mask anymore, and it's not a uh, blood-red atmosphere. Mm-hmm. But it's still a pretty barren desert full of you know, useless shit. <laughs> Scrap metal for miles around. Yes. So it's basically like a Mad Max wasteland rather than you know direct apocalypse wasteland. Mm-hmm. So Chirico's pals end up there on Sansa as well, and then they start getting attacked and get teleported away. To a planet called Nulgarant, which, as we learn, is the twin planet of Quent and maintains a bunch of ancient Quent technology. Mm-hmm. And that's where we start hearing all this stuff about the Church of Martial and Montwells and uh, a child of God who will be the successor of God. So Chirico now finds himself cast as a child protector. Mm hmm. <laughs> I guess he's the Gilgamesh equivalent of Child Protective Services, for lack of a better expression. Mm -hmm. And we find out that there's been a lot of failed children of God who uh, are in these weird cocoons with all these like worm creatures hanging out all over the place. And as it turns out, the Child of God is also an abnormal survivor Mm -hmm. and uh, basically was created to be the successor to Wiseman. And we find that Wiseman actually still is alive because, coincidentally, just before Quent was destroyed, Wiseman's systems were teleported to Nulgarant. Of course. But since he was so complex, it's taken him all of this time to reestablish to a level close to his prior operation. Mm -hmm. So he's still, you know, all about galactic domination, and he wants Chirico to raise the child of God as his successor. So, unfortunately, he failed to calculate one major factor, which is that while it's been 32 years for him, it's only been a few months for Chirico, Mm -hmm. or about a year at most. So, why would he suddenly think that Chirico would have some change of heart 
about Wiseman and the way he does business? <laughs> the answer is no, no. He wouldn't. God, no. <laughs> what did he do? The uh, he do the Raul Julia to Chun Li. <laughs> to you, this is the biggest thing. But to, to me, me that was yesterday. It was just, <laughs> just another Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. So on top of that, Wiseman also apparently did not deign it to be important enough to install better security on himself. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Chirico kills him in the exact same way he did before by just pulling out his modules and unplugging him. Hell yes. So him and the baby uh, end up in space and uh, he starts wandering alone now with the baby to raise it and protect it. And that's the end um, of Chirico's timeline. Yeah. So, Neo, your thoughts on Phantom Arc? Wow. Um, it's out there. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's... I was cool with the concept, but some of the execution... and uh, The execution wasn't too bad, but just some of the, the weirdness in it was just okay. And like you said, things like with Wiseman, it's like you've had all this time, 32 years, to you know put up some better defenses. And in the end... Chirico just does the same thing. He just pulls your little tubes out. It it was it was nice to see where everybody's at, and of course you get to see uh, Coquina and, and Vanilla as a long lived married couple and, with and six fights kids. with mm-hmm. six kids and half of them who know, look like her and half who look like him. him <laughs> yep, and uh, you know them them going acting like a couple that's been with each other for over 30 something years um fighting and then of course uh rekindling the romance of all the good times they had especially at the phantom club and mm-hmm. and stuff like that so um yeah it's um it, 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 watching this after pales and files it, it's definitely a nice change up uh but uh you know um it's kind of one of those ones where you you kind of want to unplug your brain a little bit because uh <laughs> There's kind of a lot of like, what the hell? And why are we doing this? And um, yeah, the whole thing with the babies, a um, little weird. Always always a little weird, but it seems like Photoms has just got that, that thing for babies. You know, ba- ba- weird babies, space babies. Space babies, man. Integral part of that storyline. So, mm-hmm. um, but uh, definitely, definitely some good stuff. Uh, may have been, may could have been a little shorter. Some of it, um, you know, there were there's some kind of long scenes and maybe some things could have got trimmed down. Maybe instead of six, six episodes, um, maybe four, mm-hmm. five. I think that I think that would have helped it a little bit more. But um, definitely a good watch. Sobro? Um, I would say I, I really enjoyed this for the most part, especially the first three episodes where we kind of have a, a victory lap of the places we've been to and to see yeah, how things probably- turned out. Probably the best. It's probably the best of it. Yeah, is the I, first half. I, I I was not annoyed at all by by Vanilla and Kokona, and to see how oh. their relationship has grown and and the places they've been and who them comparing themselves to how they used to be to the people that they are now, and just going down memory lane was a really fun part of this series. Uh, when we got the Chirico on uh, on Sunset, I thought it was awesome too because I had a feeling he would go back to seeing uh sophie since she was like the one of the central characters of that arc and i was glad to see that he did and he was living with her and helping her out kind of to, kind of to a kind of to atone for what he had done on sunsa and um 
what uh you know his involvement with the red shoulders and whatnot to quietly do that and to keep his identity uh secret i'm pretty sure he would know she would figure it out eventually but um you know he he bided his time and and just just helped her out and i thought that was pretty cool um and then the next tents show up <laughs> and things go insane and um i I, I did I did dig the Child of God storyline. I didn't think it was a bad thing. It was kind of out of left field, but they do allude to it a little bit with uh, with Rushako's appearance in episode uh, episode one. The fact that he needed to see Chirico for something, the question was what, and then you find out it's uh, another religious uh, storyline, and, and and that's one of the more clunkier aspects of Votoms. The anytime the story involves religion, that's when things start to get really weird. <laughs> <laughs> and don't flow nearly as smoothly as some of the more war-centric parts uh, of the series. But uh, I think they did a good job. Episode 5 could have been cut in half, I would say. All the running around that they did through that maze of uh, uh, that was underneath the arena, I think, could have been kind of cut down for time. And maybe they spent more time on other elements of the story or given us more of a, res- revolution, a resolution at the end of uh, Episode 6 instead of uh, just Chirico floating into... Uh, mysterious space with the space baby but um <laughs> i did i did really enjoy the resolution with that sorry ass pope montwells and the fact he got what was coming to him oh my god dude every bullet yep. every bullet ricocheted into him how does that happen <laughs> now, every he emptied the clip and every bullet came back to him and it's like okay Chirico, you were you were in control of some dope ass powers i don't know uh, the, the, it, it, that 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 just uh, you should play the lotto bro you should play the lotto you <laughs> you would probably win um hey he doesn't need money though he don't care about that stuff he really doesn't well he's got kids now so you know he's he's got to raise Chirico junior so <laughs> he's going to need to make a living man He's going to need to. But uh, uh, seeing Chirico float off in that palm olive cloud was was interesting. And him returning back to one, you know, and when, when uh, Paleson found him, he found him as a space baby also in one of those little green clouds. And to see him return back to that, back to his roots and to raise this kid who, you know, is going to turn out to be uh, like him, hopefully better uh, and live in a better world. Uh, gives you a little hope at the end of this series. But um, I thought it was good. It was it was well worth uh, the watch, and um, I had a blast watching it. And uh, I'll turn it back over to Chris. It's definitely kind of strange the way this series starts and ends because you mentioned with the whole production issue that it's the end of the story of like the Shining Heresy arc, mm-hmm. but there's this missing middle chapter that doesn't come out until afterwards. So that's a really weird disconnect that you go from Shining Heresy to suddenly, oh, Chirico just left after having been reunited with uh, his pals. Yeah, and you, you asked the question the entire time, where's Titania? Where is she at? What's going on with her? She was following him the last time we saw her. You know, yeah. what, what, where's that thread getting tied up? And, of course, we get that later answered. But Yeah, so that's kind of weird. Uh, the nostalgia tour of the first three arcs of the TV show was nice, sort of catching up with how things have changed, mm-hmm. uh, seeing... Some of these old characters like Rushako and Potaria was nice. But then once they go to Nalgarant is when this series starts to get weird. And I don't mind the Child of God storyline, mm-hmm. but I was bothered that it basically was a retread in the end of the TV show with Wiseman being the caused by everything and then Chirico just shuts him down the exact same way yeah. <laughs> just be it be it such an easy kill another it's, just, it's it's literally a retread another victory yeah. lap I mean, <laughs> 
Yeah. Then there's another thing that bothered me, which is that uh, well, I did like seeing Montewells get his uh, comeuppance. Ooh. But in Shining Heresy, they portrayed all these secret society guys working for Wiseman as being heretics. Yeah. But in Phantom Arc, Montwells talks about um, Wiseman as though the Church of Martial has always been devoted to Wiseman. Wow. Yeah, they do. So that's yet another strange continuity error. And it's like, maybe there's more background materials, but it's like, I never get a quite a clear idea of who the hell is Martial and what's the connection to Wiseman anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was kind of strange. Um, I forgot to mention Roshina, man. Like this, yes, this, crazy it, old Roshina. If there's anybody I'm happy for, it's that guy. That guy gets to see it all. He's, he's the, the ultimate witness. He's going to write a Bible about Chirico. The Gospel of Chirico? <laughs> he probably will. He probably will write that because he's seen it all. All of it, dude. Front row seat. Yeah. So I guess as the, for now, probably forever ending of Chirico, mm-hmm. it's good that he's not alone, that he's got, you know, Space Baby Chirico Jr. Mm-hmm. Since uh, obviously we had the tragic death of Fianna in Shining Heresy. Oh. So ratings on Phantom Arc, Neo. Um, <clears throat> have to be uh, three uh, reunions with old friends out of five. Solbro? You know, I'm, I'll rate it a little bit higher because I, I enjoyed it overall. Um, I would give it four Palmolive uh, space clouds out of five. All right. I will give this one three and a half bad computer security protocols out of five. <laughs> yeah, so bad. <laughs> Wiseman needs Norton. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to move on to three one-shot OVAs that are at an hour each. Mm-hmm. And this is uh, all released in 2011. These are currently the end of Votomes. Two of them are separate standalones, and one of them is Chirico. So we're going to start with Case Irvine, which was directed by Shisho Igarashi mm-hmm. and takes place somewhere at some indeterminate time after the war. And we've got uh, this guy named Irvine Lester, who is uh, a battling pilot, but he's well-known as a fixer. He takes, he takes dives for money. Mm-hmm. And for good reason. Yes. He's stuck on this whatever shitty planet is with his sister and he's trying to raise enough money to get the hell off the planet so he takes dives mm-hmm. but uh, he gets the attention of this crazy battling player named Pagan who is nicknamed the Bloody Reaper <laughs> so it's sort of one of these the cliche of just one more match yeah. kind of thing going on but uh, Pagan gets so crazy and so obsessed with Irvine and his background when he finds out that Irvine used to be military that uh, he goes nuts and upgrades his scope dog into this hideous monstrosity yeah. of junkyard parts <clears throat> other scope dogs. Man. Which leads to them having this big final battle and we learn the truth about Irvine, which is that uh, – Back in the war, at some point, his unit was attacked by guerrillas, and in a panic, he went psycho and killed everybody, including all of his comrades. Rough stuff. So that's his uh, his past trauma, and uh, yeah, of course, in the end, he defeats Pagan. Mm -hmm. So 
Solbro, your thoughts on K Servine? I got I got to say out of all the OVAs, all the um OVAs that we watched as part of this roundup, I enjoyed this one the most, especially when uh Jun Fukuyama's voice shows up as the voice of Pagan. It's like, "Oh shit, Lelouch, let's go." <laughs> It was this was simple and straight to the point. I mean, you got a main character that's got PTSD pretty hard and yet he's uh st- kind of risking his own mental stability by going in uh, and secretly fighting in these uh these underground mech battles and um I I like the fine line that he walks and that secret that he carries with him. Um he kind of lives a double life with uh between him and his uh his day life as a uh, as a repairman and his nightlife as a as a battler. And um I, I really enjoyed Irvine as a character overall. I, I wanted to see more of him when this was over. Uh Pagan was a little bit paid by numbers uh, crazy. <laughs> he wasn't uh you know, it wasn't too surprising that he would lose his shit. But when he started shooting up the uh arena, oh my god, dude. <laughs> just it's like oh you don't think this is a battlefield let me show you what's up and he starts un- just um unloading into the crowd that's that's when uh when, sh- when shit did change and uh and you can see that the stakes rose and uh i just i, I love the progression of this series but and of, uh, of well not series but ova and then when you get to the big reveal of him being uh bishop one and him turning on his troops that was reason enough for him to not want to kill anymore because he he knows if he gets into that panic mode again he might injure more people and that's not the thing he wants makes me wonder how he even got out of the military or or didn't you know serve in a um in a stockade for what he did but maybe they never found out about the truth well it looks like they did because it's on file but um yeah uh i i I thought it was a, a a very well done ova and uh i had a blast watching it man good stuff neil yeah, it was a good change of pace. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, first time I, yeah, this is the first time since uh, Merrillink that we had an OVA uh, that was not with Chirico and the gang. Yeah. So that was nice to see. Yeah, uh, pretty paint by numbers um, story. Um, you know, nothing, nothing that we haven't seen before, but good pacing. Uh, you know, it's got that mid two thousands animation. Um, it's some of it, some of it's good, some of it's bad. You know, because some of it looks like it's a little um, washed out a little bit. But um, it's interesting to see. Uh, I've I've always been interested in the whole battling area because that's always been kind of interesting to see how people will um, upgrade the scope dogs and stuff because. You know, as we see, the mechs within Votoms, they seem pretty, you know, the military doesn't really soup them up that much. They're pretty much uh, standard fare. And uh, definitely the, uh, you know, the, the battlers, uh, they're always doing some crazy stuff with it. But, um, you know, definitely um, kind of a, a, a story of moving on and PTSD and kind of overcoming some of that stuff. And, uh, you know, makes you kind of wonder uh if there was anything more of the story down the road but i guess we'll never know so back to you chris yeah it's definitely notable notable for being in uh you know 20 20 plus years the first non chirico ova and it's always been my argument that this is a pretty wide universe that can support a lot more stories than just chirico's absolutely and this ova definitely does do that not to the best degree though i mean it is a pretty cliche mm-hmm set up characters are all pretty one note there's not anything really original here and i was bugged a little bit by pagan because he seems a little too over the top crazy 
for yeah. Otomes and feels like he belongs more in Gundam. <laughs> yeah, he does. He really does. Yeah. yeah. He is a little batshit. Yeah. So, that aside, entertaining, but not amazing. So, let's do ratings on this one. Neo. Oh, uh, three and a half uh, friendly fire incidents out of five. Oh, damn. Solbro? Um, I, I got to shout out the, the hand-drawn ATs in this one, man. Four yes. hand-drawn ATs out of five. Beautifully rendered, by the way. I loved it. Much better than uh, Pales and Vials. Absolutely. Yeah. I'll give this one three and a half dives out of five. <laughs> <laughs> that collusion, son. <laughs> yep. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so our next OVA is Votom's Finder, directed by Atsushi Shigeta, mm-hmm. which takes place uh, somewhere at some place. I have no idea because it doesn't look anything like Votom's, doesn't feel anything like Votom's, and would not make me think that it's anything at all to do with Votom's, except for the fact that it has Votom's in the title. Yeah. So our story is about uh, this dude named Aki Tesno and his uh, gal pal AB. They are bottomers. They sort of uh, sort of scavengers. They do odd jobs with their mecha, and they get recruited by. They're at the bottom of this canyon. They get recruited by some elites from above to rescue this girl who's been kidnapped. Mm-hmm. But it turns into basically a story of. JRPG politics where they find out that they weren't rescuing this girl. They were in fact helping to kidnap her. (laughs) So she's in the middle of this political battle because she's being used as a hostage against a politician. So Aki and AB, they set out to rescue the girl and in the end, they do. Mm -hmm. So another standard pay-by-number story Sober, what were your thoughts on Votom's Finder? I, th- I thought it was fun. Um, it, it wasn't uh, any, there weren't any beats I hadn't seen before. But um, the thing I got the biggest kick out of is uh, the character design was uh, Junichi Hayama. The second it started, I saw the characters like, oh my god, that's, that's Hayama, man, doing the Votoms? About freaking time. It was really cool to see his art style get represented. Also, looking at this, it kind of, the art, the art of the, 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 uh, the mecha in this kind of is like a little bit of Overman King Gainer meets Votomes. <laughs> yeah. Kind of a lot of Overman King Gainer meets Votomes. Yeah. yeah it's like, it's just a lot of that influence on there when you see his, uh, his AT or his, uh, what, what do they call him in this? They're called, uh, uh, doggone it. I can't remember, but, um, I don't remember, uh, Atrias or whatever. But, um, yeah, it, it was like every time I saw it, it's like, man, that's, God dang, I'm just expecting the King Gainer theme song to kick in. Let's go. <laughs> But uh, let's dance. But uh, no, it was uh, it was fun, um, and it was it was predictable. And uh, I will say that what's his name? The um, was it Siegfried? Uh, the his uh, the 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 guy who was the knight of the prince, uh, not the princess, but the the woman that was kidnapped. Um, he looked a little bit like Chirico, just a little bit. So it was it was cool to see a some a semi familiar face. But um, other than that, I had fun watching it. It wasn't it wasn't anything I. I could write home about, but uh, it it was it was neat seeing a different take on Votoms. Neil, um, yeah, um, it's uh, in vo- a Votoms in name only, pretty much because <laughs> it it's so not it's bad. A vino, vino, yes, vino. it's vino. <laughs> it, it's 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 not bad, uh, but once again, it is it's 
heavily influenced by King Gainer. It's a fun little story, but once again, it's something that we haven't, we've seen this before. And, you know, I, I guess the only issue that I have with it is it, that it being, you know, it's like, oh, couldn't we see a little bit more of Votoms in here? Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't, ne- I mean, I know we can do a cheerful story. That would be nice. But the, the universe is so big that you think we could do something. And, and you know, using that um, storyline of people uh, uh, scavenging off the land because of the, you know, that war was going on for 120 years. And then you had that other, then they, they started up again. So, I mean, that, that would have been nice to see. But, um, you know, other than that, nothing really too, too special. So Yeah, it, it definitely does not feel at all like Votomes you have. Uh, yeah bright colors you have more typically anime looking characters it's a very sunny sort of aesthetic compared to the dark gritty acid rain dirtiness of votomes yeah the mecha all look very different from votomes mm-hmm. uh, it really feels like an alternate universe thing yeah yeah best and you kind of wonder it's like when and where the hell does this even take place in relation to anything else in the Votomes timeline? Well, looking it up, I, I saw that you know, everybody considers this an alternate universe of some sort. So unless it's like way, way, way in the future, um, I, that's what I consider it as just an alternate universe or an alternate take with uh, touches of influences from Votomes. And that's about it. I, I sort of wonder if this uh, was like a random one shot storyline completely unrelated to Votomes and sort of got Mario Brothers 2'd into be part of Votomes <laughs> to sort of slap a recognizable brand name on it and, you know, increase sales. There you go. There you go. Oh, it, feels, it feels like it could be that way. You figured it out, yeah. man. Doki Doki Panic, son. <laughs> Maybe. It, it, I think it might have been. I mean, like I said, it's not bad. It's just... It's not bad. It is cliche, yeah. but yeah. it's an enjoyable little ride. So uh, for ratings, I would uh, give it three and a half non-Grimdarks out of five. Solbro? I'd give it about, I'd, I'd give it the same. Uh, three and a half Gainer Sangas out of five. Neil? Uh, I, I'll give it um, three Scavengers. Uh, actually, three Vulture Wannabes out of five. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to the Junk Guild. No, shout outs to freaking Gunamax. Gunamax? Oh, well, yeah, that's true. Vultures. He did did seem, uh, Aki did seem a lot like uh, Garrett, though, in in the way he looked and his his disposition looked. He reminded me a lot of of him, so I got to give it up to that that analogy, sir. Okay. All right. And that'll bring us to our final OVA of the night and also the final Votomes OVA production wise, which is the. One shot alone again, directed by Ryosuke Takahashi, and again, the last one about Chiriko. So, this one takes place in between Shining Heresy and Phantom Arc, and it shows Titania, what happened to her. We find that uh, she's under attack by uh, church assassins who are trying to kill her, mm-hmm. and she's not doing so well on the road because she doesn't have many fluids available to replace all the fluids in her next and body. So she's sort of up the same creek without a paddle as Fiona was in shining heresy. That's right. Sort of uh, running out the clock. So Chiriko ends up crossing paths with, uh, Gotho and Kokona and vanilla 
meets their kids, finds out that one of their kids has unfortunately fallen in with a bad crowd, which is a bunch of weirdo martial cultists. <laughs> We're off to do something for some purpose. Then you also have the Church of Martial making trouble and trying to get rid of Chirico. So, over the course of the story, you have obviously a couple of fights, including a uh, really big fight at the end where the church just tries to throw everything at Chirico. And it's down to him and Titania fighting them off. And by the end of the battle, we find that, uh, yes, all the people are dead, as you would expect. But unfortunately, Titania has um, had her torso severed. Mm. So she's sort of like uh, bishop levels in uh, in aliens, <laughs> minus the white blood goo. Instead, green. <laughs> so she dies, and then Chirico goes off into the sunset on his own yet again, thus setting the stage in retrospect for Phantom Arc. So, Silver, what were your thoughts on Alone Again? Um, it's my own mistake, but I, I wish I'd have watched it before Phantom Arc just to kind of get a better, uh, a better flow of story. But, um, I did, I did enjoy it. Um, it was good to see Titania finally show up and then resolve the storyline between her and Chirico. Um, my favorite part in all of this is when, uh, she's dying and Chirico doesn't look behind him at the, at the, uh, the distant star, uh, that's in the background. That's really, uh, Fiona's capsule, uh, flying out of sight. I thought that was an extremely poignant moment because uh, that's the reason why he was on that planet the whole time was to to see it and to see her, you know, go off into the great abyss. And instead he got this whole fight stood in the way and kind of messed up his whole plan. And then she shows up and he gives her attention during her dying moments, which I thought was a a pretty nice send off for Titania. And um, the the narration towards the end by I think her name is Stevia. Um, Stevia Vartler, that's the, the daughter of, um, of, uh, Kokona and, uh, Vanilla. How she says that, you know, he pretty much disappeared after that. Um, which makes no sense because, uh, they still have his gun. <laughs> but, uh, that fight towards the end, I, that was the best, uh, out of all the CG, uh, battles in all these series, uh, I would say that the battle in this one, as well as the battles in, um, in in and Votum's Finder were probably the best rendered out of all the fights, uh, uh, all the all the CG animation that I saw uh, throughout all these OVAs as well. But it was a good it was a good show. Uh, I I I love the reunion between uh, uh, Chirico and and the three, and it was good to see that finally. So uh, nice send off for the characters. And back to you. Yeah, I mean, um, not much more I can say on that either. Um, you know, Solbro hit pretty most of the points uh d- definitely a, a good send off uh was a little sad to see i mean my god chirico is just uh, he's just a one man thing of of devastation depression <laughs> and uh, death because just everyone around him that he that he has any feelings for or cares about is pretty much gets just killed especially women women but not not a good thing not a good uh thing to be a woman and falling in love with uh Chirico, I mean, unless your name is Kokona, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Kokona got out of it because <laughs> she she actually married somebody else. These mm-hmm. other ones, it was just like, and I, I felt it a little weird. I wish he would have looked up at uh, Fiano's capsule when uh, Titania was telling him to do it because you know I, I know why he was doing that, but it, it would have been nice to see that too because 
you know, it's kind of one last send off to her and, you know, my God, all the stuff that he did and all the trials and tribulations that this guy went through, uh, for her is, um, it it would have been nice to see, but yeah, definitely a, a great way to, um, once again, uh, close the Shiriko saga and having him go off in, <laughs> in the sunset alone. So, uh, but back to you, Chris. Yeah. For me, the thing about alone again is that with just about, you know, 45 minutes or so and tell a story, there's too much going on here and too little time to tell it. You got there's a lot like lightning on. brigade. You got these Marty cultists. Mm-hmm. You got all this stuff going on and, Combined with the weirdness of this coming out after Phantom Mark, but taking place before, mm-hmm. I think it would have been much better if these had both been the same OVA series together and told a larger, more complete, and chronologically in-order story. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, and for anybody who's listening to this hasn't watched them yet, definitely watch this before you watch Phantom Mark. You'll do yourself a huge favor. Yeah. So if, if they had had a more cohesive... If Phantom Mark... And Alone Again combined had been a longer series with obviously a better ending than just uh, Wiseman Mark II. Mm-hmm. That would have been, I think, a much better sequel for Shining Heresy and conclusion to Chirico's arc. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas here we just get another walks off into the sunset, but we know that ain't the end. <laughs> so it just sort of seems like a hasty, a very, very hasty middle chapter in this post-series trilogy. Yeah, absolutely. That doesn't really do much to explain the situation. So definitely was sad for Titania's death and uh, seeing especially the condition that she's in where she's just a torso. Yeah. (laughs) When Jericho pulls her out of the cockpit. And it definitely is one of my uh, high-ranking moments in Votomes when she's asking him to look at the star in the distance, but he refuses to. Yeah, I started to well up a little bit, man, because you know, just to know his his connection to Fiona, and that you know that'll never that that'll never go away for him. But then again, this woman also, you know, was was kind of uh, kind of uh, it tossed the same kind of fate as her, and um, I guess he realized that too. And um, sometimes things go in cycles, as this series has gone has, has come to show us, and. Uh, I, it was it was a really it was really cool, man. I I I feel bad for Chirico, but when do we not feel bad for him? <laughs> Unfortunately, she came back only to die, which is Woo. exactly how it was for Fiona and Shining Heresy. Nice, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah. So I think that wrap it up for us then. So why don't we do some some ratings for Alone Again, Neo? Oh, um, I'd have to say uh, three and a half um, um, half girls out of uh, five. <laughs> As in All half right. a girl. Nice. I, I see what you did there. So yeah. I'm going to give it uh, four guns in the garbage out of five. All right. <laughs> I'm going to give it three and a half uh, distant stars. Oh, oh distant stars. Oh, Look up there, Chirico. Look up there. <laughs> Do you guys uh, honestly think this might be the end of a... Uh, of uh, Chirico stories in, uh, uh, that we may see come out of Sunrise, or do you think that they'll wait a while and, and give us some more uh, to, to, uh, future installments of uh, Chirico-related Votum stories? I don't know. I mean, the, the timeline is getting like pretty tight because we pretty much covered all his stuff before the TV show. Yeah. yeah. 
covered his stuff during the TV show unless they do some other like in between thing like Big Battle. Yeah. And obviously we've covered you know out of all the stuff of Shining Heresy and after. So if it's new material afterwards, it obviously would have to be after Phantom Arc and be the adventures of Chirico and Space Baby. Chirico yeah. Jr. Oh, I'm I'm down for that. Chirico Jr. is 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 cold and 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 hardened as his father. We're, I'm I'm game. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I, yeah, I can't really. I mean, unless they try to squeeze something in somewhere else. Um, yeah, that's probably what they're going to be doing. But mm-hmm. who knows? It is sunrise. I mean, they have they have gone back to the well a couple of times before. So I, I would kind of prefer if they just left it as is and just ended with. Chirico going off to race Space Baby and presumably lives not happy ever after, but happier. Yeah. Than just wandering alone into the deserts. He's no longer alone, man. He's got he's got mouth he's got a mouth to feed, man. Good stuff. Well, it, I mean, the second set of of OVAs, you definitely get the point where you almost feel to a point that Sunrise is a little reaching with Chirico. Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, let's have another OVA with Chirico. That's kind of you know bring something back again and and it's just like is there enough there at this point i mean i think i think we've i think we sold up sewn up everything within uh you know before after and after the tv show but before but before uh, him and space baby in space (laughs) so who knows we say that now and then a week from now there'll be a new uh, (laughs) there'll be an announcement so (laughs) adventures of chirico and space baby Oh yeah, that'd be awesome. <laughs> it'll, be, it'll be like Lone Wolf and Cub, but with Mecha. Nice. <laughs> like Space Baby's got his own little like mini scope dog. Uh, yeah, scope puppy. Scope puppy. Yeah. <laughs> scope dog and scope puppy. Oh, that'd be awesome. You know what? Now, now I changed my mind. I'm like, you know what, Sunrise? If if you have it where. It's Jericho and a scope dog and Space Baby and a and a scope puppy. <laughs> and, and and they're like hired they're like hired hands, you know. They nice. they, they, they wander from town it's to dirty, town dirty just jobs. Doing, doing jobs, yeah. <laughs> Freaking awesome. So you could have it like a whole like Sergio Leone spaghetti western field, but <laughs> pretty much, yeah. Scope dog and scope puppy. <laughs> scope dog and scope puppy. <laughs> And, you know, and, 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 and sometimes, you know, you have it where it's maybe a couple of the episodes are a little focused more maybe on uh, Chirico or, Sco- or uh, Space Baby. You know, like mm-hmm. maybe Space Baby meets the first girl that kind of takes his heart. And, nice. you know, her her uh, parents are, are getting, um, you know, roughed up by the local Yakuza. So, you know, he takes out the, the scope puppy and Chirico tells him, like, you can't really. You shouldn't really do this. You're you're being too impulsive, Space Baby. And then <laughs> Space Baby says, "No way. I'm doing this because I'm here to protect people." And Jericho's like, "You only be hurt in the end." And then he goes out, and Space Baby he protects their family against the Yakuza. But in one of the battles, even though he defeats the the, the Yakuza, uh, the girl gets uh, she gets hit with some shrapnel, mm-hmm. and then she dies. Uh, and, a straight, straight bullet casing. Straight bullet casing, and she dies in his arms. And she would have lived if it wasn't for uh, Space Baby uh, getting in the way. That's the so. school of hard knocks, man. Well, it's the school. It's the freaking school of Chirico because 
she's a woman that he cares for, she she will die. Yep. You know, <laughs> that's just how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm glad that we can project our hopes and dreams onto Sirico <laughs> and Space Baby. Pretty sad that uh, I completely did that. Maybe I should start writing stuff because yeah. I did that completely off my head there. But what would it be? Sirico and Space Baby or Adventures of Scope Dog and Scope Pup? Scope Dog and Scope Pup, man. That's the, that's, I think you got a winner right there. Scope Puppy. But- <laughs> Right, well, no, what, what color would Scope Puppy be? Would it be the the normal green that uh, that n- normal green that uh, Chirico golden, has? Gold, golden Retriever. Nice. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Woo, man, Scope Puppy. So, in reality, I think I'm done with Chirico. I think we've gotten enough of his story. Yeah, his I agree. His love, his loss, all of that stuff. It's like, what more could you tell mm-hmm. other than Scope Pup? So yeah, he's he's done. He's he's done. Killed it all. Um, <laughs> lost it all. Killed so, God twice. Mm-hmm. Killed God twice. Um, now is raising the replacement for God. Oh, hopefully, it's turned a whole lot better for the for the galaxy, the Astragus galaxy. But uh, yeah, well, it's, it's either that. It's Lone Wolf or Cub storyline. Sergio with a little bit of Sergio Leone. Or uh, just do it a basic like '80s uh, sitcom, you know, kind of like a different strokes. Put 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 Jericho in the Cosby sweater. <laughs> now space baby, <laughs> take it easy, Theo. But, <laughs> but yeah, no, it was it was an absolute fun run. I am so glad to finally have now. I could say I've seen all of Votoms. So uh, many th- hey. many thanks to Chris. Who talked about Votoms for the first time way back in episode six of Goddammit MAHQ. If you want to run back, go back all the way there and check that uh that discussion out. And at the time, neither Neo or I had seen the show. So um if anything, it's it's a blast from the past and, and almost all the stuff that we discussed in this segment didn't even come out yet. Yeah, exactly. Some exactly, of Pales and Files. So over the years of doing Gundam, a lot of the stuff we discussed today. Yeah, um, right. came out during that time so it's it's been a magnificent ride man and uh i i hopefully the character chirko kubik uh has it easy for the rest of time but uh back to you chris yeah i would like to see more non-chirko stories in the future to build up yeah. the universe yes. more but i kind of know that sunrise will just keep dipping into that chirko well if they choose to because he's the known name and he's the the character the fans have identified with for decades so you know if it's if it's not a bad story i guess it wouldn't be too terrible to have to watch some more yeah stuff with him but who knows yeah i guess we'll see what happens we shall see and that brings an end to the votomes roundup you're listening to gundam at mhq This is Stephanie Shea, and you're listening to Gundam at MAHQ.
rid of everything that creates hate. Everything that helps make it grow. Alright everyone, this is Sil Bosby. And you've heard about... Judo! Judo... Judo Washington. Judo and the Junkyard Kids. Well, this fall on WSBR, they're gonna be coming to your home. Uh, annoying pest! What are you looking at? <laughs> You're being mean, Judo. Why won't you play with me? Judo is under my control. Join Judo as they go against all the wackiness with the Mashima and the Junkyard guy. And you learn a little things in the end. That's it. This fall, Judo and the Junkyard kids on WSBR for your DVR favorites. Judo, you just watch. I'm going to get you this time. All right, Darby. Get your cards. We'll settle this once and for all with poker. Kindly cut the deck. Jotaro. I need to hear y'all say those little words. All right. I will bend my soul. Good. Let's begin. What's wrong, sir? Hurry up and look at your cards. I'm keeping them. I'm going to bet with these five cards. How can you play the game without looking at your cards? Hey, Abdul, I need a favor. A favor? I'll go along with that. But why aren't you looking at your cards? I'm gonna raise you all of Abdul's soul. What? If Chotaro wants me to bet, and pray for that one lucky day, I will trust him. Hey! I asked you for a card! I'm raising your 15 chips at all! What? Chotaro has no more chips left. All of God joined soul. Totoro! Alright, so down. Hold on, I'm not finished. There's a little matter of a raise I'd like to make. What the? Vagina chips! I'm gonna raise you, my mother's soul. Not this holy! If you lose, you have to reveal the secret of Dio's stand. Come on! Are you gonna call or fold? Say it out loud! Right now! Seated the game. In his mind, he'd folded the cards. So all the souls he captured are now released, since he has admitted his defeat. Four of a kind. In his hand, yet four kings. Jotaro, those face down cards of yours, what were they? Ugh. Oh, I thought so. Nothing but garbage. Kid, huh? you just said I thought so. Does that mean you knew what my cards were? Hello everyone, I'm David Kay, 
a.k.a. the voice of Professor X from that old series, X-Men Evolution. And you're listening to Gundam at MAHQ. Logan? Logan, where is Storm? Tell her to come for tea. Welcome back to Gundam at MAHQ. You're listening to episode 145. And in this jam-packed episode, we reviewed what we thought we'd never get to. The final episode of Gundam Unicorn, episode 7. We've had a discussion about it, went into pretty much our thoughts on that episode and the whole uh, series. And um, I hope you guys enjoyed that discussion. I hope it was well worth the wait. And then uh, also, right after that, we wrapped up our uh, Votums Roundup. And we talked about the OVAs of the 21st century for Armored Trooper Votomes. And uh, it's as I mentioned before, it was a blast watching. Um, and also, as uh, Neil mentioned at the top of the episode, this is one of the last episodes you'll hear Chris on for the, the next couple of months as he's going to take his uh, his summer sabbatical. Uh, Chris, any uh, any last words you wanted to, to say? Although Chris will be back from time to time to, to chime in on certain segments that we're going to be doing or certain reviews or whatnot. The next Gundam, next Gundam The Origin, I'm thinking, is probably the next time we'll, we'll see him unless something amazing happens in between now and then. But uh, Chris, any... Uh, uh, any thoughts before you uh, you step down for the time being? I hate everyone. I'm glad to be gone. There you go, guys. There you go. And I, I leave the mailbag in your care. I will be uh, taking command of the mailbag. And next episode, we'll be uh, doing the mailbag. We'll have a nice extended uh, mailbag segment. Well, well, we'll see what happens. But uh, I I think it's well overdue. And in the upcoming episode, we'll be diving back into the mailbag and answering your questions. So hope you guys look forward to that. Uh, Neo, any, uh, any, any final thoughts, sir? Well, yes. One, okay. Sunrise, Chirico, and Space Baby. <laughs> You know where to get me. Funded. <laughs> yes. <laughs> to the uh, to to the internet funding. To the <laughs> to the source the crowd, crowd funding. Crowd, crowd Crowdsourcing. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but thank you guys for listening to Gundam and MHQ. When you have time, definitely check out these websites. Head on over to where the magic happens. MAHQ.net. Visit there for reviews of many mecha-related animes and manga series. Also join the conversation at MAHQ's official forums at mechatalk.net, where you can find forums for this show and other MAHQ and Shinjuku Station podcasts. There you can comment on the thread for this episode or others and submit questions for future podcasts. If you're looking for previous episodes of Gundam at MAHQ, look no further than Gundam.net, where you can also find information on all of our previous episodes. Also find us on iTunes by using the keyword Gundam, and make sure to subscribe and leave us a review. After listening to our show, your next stop should be Chaos Theater, MAHQ's podcast that focuses on other facets of nerddom outside of Mecca. Hosted by the webmaster of MAHQ, Gundam's own Chris Guanche, and the pedal bear of the South, Tomopop's own Pedro Cortez. You can tune into the show at chaostheater.blogspot.com and on iTunes by searching for Chaos Theater. Don't forget that we're also on YouTube, where you can not only find our previous episodes, but extra content as well. Subscribe to these channels when you have time. YouTube.com slash Gundam MAHQ. YouTube.com slash Chaos Theater MAHQ. YouTube.com slash Fighters Ready. YouTube.com slash Shin Station Fight Tube and YouTube.com slash Shinjuku Station. 
Last but not least, make a beeline to Shinjuku Station's home for live streaming. That's tinyurl.com slash shinstation. Every week, we stream live with anime commentaries like Shoji Ramaro's Anime Movie Night and live podcasts like our new show, Barbecue Night. Don't sleep. Head on over to tinyurl.com slash shinstation and follow us to keep up with all our future live streams as well as archives of our most recent sessions. And that's it for episode 145 of Gundam at MAHQ. We'll see you guys next time. Come on, it's time for a closer look. This is a drum low. I shall exhibit it tonight. So you're telling us we gotta learn to pilot one of those robots? How about letting us look at the controls, Ben? If you agree to cooperate. And while we're talking cooperation, how about a little good faith, huh? All right. Hey, a CRT screen. Sweet. Fits like a glove, man. So we just strap in and pilot this thing? People from our world learn to pilot these craft, while off-worlders rely on their auras, allowing the ship to move at will. Come on! You can't tell us we don't need any training! Only enough to acquaint you with the system. Well, I don't believe in all those new-age concepts of life energy like auras. All in good time. Hey! This is crazy! From inside, I can see right through it! And I can hardly see anything from the outside! Oh. That lens is made from the shell of a Kimailagu. Lord Shot sure knows his stuff. So say we perform a great deed. Do you make us lord of some fiefdom, or do you return us to our own world? Let's see. Only a silky can do that. But stay here, and you might obtain land the size of California. How could you know about California? Lord Shot lived there, if I'm not mistaken. But if you know California, you'd know that the... I shall see that you are introduced to Lord Drake tonight at the garden party. Yeah. Gundam at MAHQ is a Shinjuku station and MAHQ.net joint. Well, Everybody. gotta hit the sack. Big Saturday tomorrow. That's right. It's somebody's birthday. Not just that. The iPad comes out on my actual birthday. It's like Steve Jobs and God got together to say, we love you, Phil. What is so great about that doohickey, anyhow? Doohickey, Ellie Mae? It's a movie theater, a library, and a music store all rolled into one awesome pad. I better load the beach chair into the trunk. I'm going to need it for the line in the morning. Wait, honey, hang on. You can't spend your birthday in line. Well, not the whole day. I have to be there at 6 or forget about it, and then I'm out by 10. Why don't you let me do it? Claire... You don't have to do that. No, I know, but I want to. And that way, on your birthday, you'll wake up and you'll have your brand new toy. Okay. Well, in spite of you calling it a toy, this is shaping up to top the best birthday I ever had. Oh, thank God we didn't have to hear that stupid story about... It was called the Fun Zone. Sets. I was 11. Oh. I hit 10 straight fastballs in the batting cage. And my best friend, Jeff Sweeney, stepped in and took one in the groin. I yelled out, ball two! Everybody laughed. That was when I knew I was funny. Good night. <laughs>